I have Flat Rock, and I have the Latour. This was ex- somewhat expensive. You want to give this a go? Now, in English, what is that? The Tour? <laughs> it's a last name is what it is, ah. technically. But... Uh, dealer's choice. Nah, it's, let's try the Latour. I think it'll be good. Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. They're trying to hang on and get a break. It's going to be a break. It is Joe Sackick. Scores. Joe Sackick. Scores. And that makes it 5-2 Canada. Surely that's got to be it. Take a look at the Canadian bench. If you don't, me when I say that's more than enough. Saturday, June 26th, 2021, it's a a late season edition of the Laced Up Hockey Podcast. Uh, As we'll get to, we're down to two teams left standing. Uh, Before we get to that, though, should mention, still am James Cole. Hey guys, this is Brutes, Brutes Bataglia. You can find me on Twitter. You can also find me on High Button Sports. You can also find me in the uh, the backyard uh, where my neighbors have decided to build a garage every night from 9.30 to 10.45 p.m. That's about it. That sounds fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, uh, I talked to them about when they were going to be getting all the materials in for their garage. Uh, and their answer to me was going uh, late July, and I'm like, great, I'm going to take a couple weeks off probably in middle July before you get that shit, mm-hmm. so I can just basically sit outside and relax and golf and things like that and just relax. Now it's here, so my summer is uh, a little less peaceful now probably. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. I don't know, what are you going to do? Sounds like a sticky situation. I mean, like if I really wanted to get things moving, I would go help them. But I'm not going to do that either because mm. I don't particularly like them. My window's wide open. I should probably close that. There you go. But yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's that's who I am. Okay. So, yeah, that's where yeah. you can find me. I guess that's it. We're done. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was more of an outro than an intro, but I'm uh I can't be found anywhere but this podcast. <laughs> okay. Portugal radio. All right. Yeah. We'll see you later. Wow. Yeah. Portugal radio. Yeah, it's been a while. Back. Yeah. That's yeah. throwing it back. Throwing it back. What eight months last time we made that reference? Yeah. True. Yeah. What's going on? How are you? I just talked about me. How are you? Yeah, I don't know. I'm fine, I guess. I don't know. Like, is anyone ever good? Really? <sighs> Truly? People listen to this to, to get, like, a nice uplifting part of their day, I think, during the pandemic. And what have we done? Bitched and moaned about our neighbors. And is anyone really good? I mean, you know. Um, bit of a rambly uh, start to this one. Look. <laughs> It's it's a weird week, right? Like we're down to like I said, we're down to two teams. What do you think about Foucault? You think much about Foucault? You know who that is? Am I just saying guys now? You're 
Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, I'll start. You're 100% just saying names okay. that could or could not be real. Who's got the who's the hockey player with the most like philosophical last name? Oh. Is it Philip Deneau? Philippe Deneau sounds like a French philosopher from the 1800s. That's more or less a Foucault reference, I guess. There. I don't know. Are there any Greek hockey players left? Hmm. Tom Kostopoulos. Yeah, I was going to say if been, he if he just went by Kostopoulos. Hands <laughs> <laughs> down. Kostopoulos the Greek once said. Yeah. Scored an overtime goal once that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And not to get too weird with like the uh, what's what's the word when you like judge people by their <laughs> nationality. It's not racism, but it's... Prejudicial? Is that the right word? I thought there was a different word for it. But like, like Fukufuji? Okay. That would have been another one that came to mind, for sure. Sure. Yeah? Yeah. The great... Yeah, let's get into hockey yeah. here. This well... is getting playfully sort of... Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to bleep out three straight minutes to start a podcast, so... Yeah. Well, what I was going to... I was, I, was, I was making a subtle uh, transition earlier... Okay. Um, about your neighbors, yeah, yeah okay. and and sticky stuff to mm. the Major League Baseball. Oh, and and their crackdown on That's sticky right. stuff. Yeah, this is a baseball podcast and, now. Uh, in 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 the league, and like it's, I don't know how much you've 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 noticed. Um, there was uh, a, a big scandal uh, where pitchers were being found with stuff on their hats and stuff on their gloves, like. It was weird in, in in the sense that it was like yeah we we knew it was there but you guys just found you guys just found out about this really yeah. um, so the league did this weird thing where they said all right we're gonna start cracking down on the sticky stuff stuff but not until July or, or sorry till June twenty second and at the time it was like June twelfth mm-hmm. and we were all like why. <laughs> Why are we going to wait 10 days? Like, why are you coming out and saying we're going to wait 10 That's days? That's such a classic MLB thing to do, yeah. though. Like, a guy does something fucked up, and they're like, ah, you know what, we're going to suspend him for 10 games. And be like, oh, okay, I'm going to appeal that. And we're like, oh, okay, we'll let you play in the next 32 games then until While your appeal's you done. Out, like, yeah. get the fuck out of here with that. Um, so, they 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 had the, the date. They said they're going to, like, July 20... Uh, Again, June. Fuck, what June. month yeah, is it? Whatever, who cares? Time is a flat uh, circle. J-U something. Did you guys um, hear about this? Sports are coming back. Right. Man. Crazy. We're going to crack down on it. And they did this thing where, like, at certain points during a game, they're going to randomly check the pitcher. Mm-hmm. Okay? And the pitcher has to, like, go over and, like, show you your glove and show you the hat. I guess the belt loop was part of it. Right. So, like, they had to, like, kind of, like, flip the belt loop. And okay, yeah, you're clean. Ha ha ha. This isn't isn't this funny? Aren't we all having a good time? Yeah. But what the MLB also did was said that if an opposing manager wanted, they could ask for a check. So instead of doing one random check yeah. for a pitcher during a game, the the manager could say, "Hey, I think that guy's using stuff." Sure. So then the umpires didn't have to check, but they could, and it was a whole thing. So. The Phillies and the Nationals are playing. Oh, here we go. Two rivals. Here we go. Two two spirited rivals. N- not only rivals. 
I can't remember when players are on which of the other one's teams because not only <laughs> not only are they rivals, their jerseys look the same. I can't fuck. Yeah, I don't. That's fair. I forget which team which Bryce Harper which? was on and went to. Right. <laughs> I can't remember the fucking same jersey. So Max Scherzer, Scherzer, you, yeah. you've heard of him, Mad Max, pretty good. Yep, he's he's great. He gets his random search. Yeah. Okay. A couple innings later. The Phillies are like, you know what? Ah, we think we're, he's using something. Go check him out. So they go check him out again for a second time. Which, like, if if you're Max, the first time's whatever. That's how the league works now. That's the rule. The second time's annoying. But, sure, sure you guys are scared of me. Sure, I'll, I'll show myself to the world. Yep. And then they ask for a third time. And the problem with the third time is... The umps don't have to do it. There's mm-hmm. no rule where, like, the manager asks and you have to go and, and check the guy. Sure. They could say no. You're, you're being unreasonable. Right. But they do it a third time. And Max freaks out. And off comes the belt. And the hat goes flying. And he's staring down the, the Phillies, uh, you know, bull, uh, d- dugout and and just benches clearing and all, and all this shit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he came back clean. Right. And sometimes the opponent is just better than you. Yeah. And sometimes skill wins out over cheating. Now. Okay. Keep going. I ask you, what is the NHL equivalent of this? Oh, fuck. I was hoping. Is this this like the stick length, like check, like the the curve of the blade? Hmm. Or is it like. The goalie well, is wearing Velcro on his chest. Yeah, like no, it's got to be it's got to be a goalie thing because with the with the players, like there there conceivably would be a reason to like continually ask a player with the illegal stick because they could just be swapping out sticks. Gets stick checked, it's not illegal. Okay, cool, just swap it out for an illegal one because now they think you're using. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could you could get around that easily. For a goalie though, you can keep measuring the pads, but even still, it's just like. Mm. You know, you measured them once. Like, I don't know if there, I don't know if there really is one in hockey. Like, basically, the, the hockey equivalent is that the offside rule, but without timeouts or a limit. Like, say you could just do that an unlimited amount of times in a game. Yeah, why the fuck wouldn't you challenge every goal then? You know what I mean? If you're a baseball team and you're just getting beat constantly, why wouldn't you fucking challenge it? And listen, no one hates Joe Girardi more than me, other than maybe Max Scherzer, but. Good on Joe Girardi because, like, I would have done the same fucking thing, you know what I mean? Like, just to maybe get into his head. But the other hilarious thing, going back to your point, is just, like, the the umpires don't have to do that third check. And it's a, it's insane that they do because it's Max Scherzer. Like, it's, it's Max fucking Scherzer. If this is some kid coming up from the minors in his fourth start and he's just crushing your guys, yeah, I get that you're a little skeptical. Max Scherzer is arguably the best pitcher of the last ten years. You might go Kershaw on that. I I I think Kershaw's got the better numbers. I think Scherzer is the better pitcher. So we're talking about a guy who this is like, you know, asking Sidney Crosby to take a piss test three times in a game almost for me. Like this is like, come on, like you you know what I mean? Like it's clean, move on. And even if he is using a little bit of something, they all are. You know what I mean? I, it, it bugged me a little bit. Good for Scherzer for getting pissed off. And fuck Joe Girardi. I fucking hate that son of a bitch. 
Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it's it's been a weird week in baseball if you've been following along. Baseball's um, awesome this year. It's been a lot of fun. It's awesome. I haven't watched a full game yet either. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> Just following the news so far, I can't wait to get into it this year. I'm getting excited. I, I will say this much. I was My really, team is still in the hunt. I was They're really, still looking okay. I was really disappointed that uh, we're not getting the Vladimir Guerrero versus uh, Shohei Otani home run derby uh, spectacle. So is is Vladdy not going? He's not going? going. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Because I don't know if I would go. Like, there's such a long track record of that fucking up guys in the second half of a season. Yeah. You know what I mean? The guys that do well. I mean, the guys that do well. Like, a lot of the guys that go just have a cooler second half. Well, he he ended up in his rookie I, I season. I he, wouldn't want to go. Really, he, he was the runner-up, right? And historically, did not have a good second half. So, right. Um, Which you can look at as him being a rookie, or maybe a lot of pitchers sat there and like, "Hey, look, we have uh, <laughs> ten minutes of fucking game yeah. tape on his swing now." You know what I mean? And kind of see how he's reading pitches, slow it down, and shit. We're like. If you try to take a look at all of his hits and all of his swings and misses during games, it's a little harder to put that together and really correlate something, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there might be less patterns. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into that too much, but yeah. Anyway, in, in any case, um, baseball's fucked. It's a lot of fun, though. So, uh, sticky stuff is an issue, but... So, do you have any... Do you have any... Well, two questions. Do you have any hard opinion on the sticky stuff? Yeah, it, like you shouldn't use it, right? Like, I, well, I get well, it. My, my understanding on it is that there's there's two kinds. There's the good stuff and the bad stuff, and there's stuff where it's arguably giving them an advantage. Where it's like there's other guys that are using more or less just a stickier rosin bag in a sense, where it's giving them more grip. And guys like Tyler Glasnow are like, yeah, literally everyone uses that, and if you don't, you're not going to have uh, pitchers anymore. You're going to need like double, triple the amount of pitchers because we're all going to get injured. Right. He got put on the fucking 10-day disabled list the first time not using it. And he's like, my muscles were fucked the next day. So, like, I believe him when he says that. Like, And I've always known that guys are using something like that. But so, sorry, I, think, like, I, I think there's probably a line you got to draw. What I would say, though, is I don't know where that line is because I don't. So, pitchers are saying they're getting hurt because they're not getting grip? They're, they're saying that they got to use different muscles to hang onto the ball to throw it the same way kind of thing. And it's, it's fucking them up. So then you're not an athlete. Like, learn to play the well, sport the right way. So, so or, or don't play it. You're, you, you are right in one sense, where everything will just revert back to being 90 mile an hour fastballs. Which I could care less how sure. the guys throw the ball. But, I'm also fine with them using some of this stuff, as long as it's not... Like, if they're all using... It's, it's, it's the steroid debate, but just not as bad. Where it's sure. like, if they're all using it, then whatever, what the hell do I care? But like you've got the rosin bag that's MLB approved. Everybody gets one. You have access to it at any mm-hmm. point that you want. If that's if that's your their argument is the rosin bag doesn't do enough. Oh, okay. Then you're just I don't know. Like I don't know. Like that that's a really weird argument. It's a me. tough one because yeah. they let they let it creep in clearly at some point in the right, last right. eight to twelve years. But it's like it's like the batter going up there with his aluminum bat. And crushing bats or balls out of the stadium, and being like, "Well, yeah, I know the the wooden one. I get splinters in my hand when I swing it. It's like, well, yeah. like figure out how to swing the bat without hurting yourself. Like figure out how to throw the ball." No, I, I get your logic. I don't agree, but obviously, I that your logic is sound. Yeah, yeah. like the, the 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 idea of the sport is that you you throw the ball with your human power, and 
another person swings a bat at that ball with their human power, and we see what happens. Mm-hmm. Right? So as soon as we start introducing advantages either way, I think it becomes less... See, now, and I really didn't admirable. do my research this week, too. There was another pitcher, not, it was not a Tyler Glasnow name, though, it was some other guy, who just, like, made the argument now, too, that, like, the new balls don't grip as well, too. Like, he was saying something about how just, like, now that they're, like, a little lighter, that they, they're they harder to grip now, too. So it's the whole argument, like, are they are the balls juiced? Which, basically, they are. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, baseball's fishy, man. There's people There's a lot to blame on both there. sides, I think. But, like, I don't know. Come well, the league's come to blame. Up. Like, they, sh- they should have cracked down on it or specifically said it was allowed. Yeah. And now, 12 years later, we're going to act like we didn't know it was creeping its way into the sport. Like, I, I don't know, man. I we, just I, I have no sympathy for a professional league just being like, ah, we don't really know what's going on in front of our eyes. Like, if you don't know what's going on behind closed doors, that's one thing. But, yeah, how, how are we to know what's going on on the field on a national broadcast? Mm-hmm. You know? who Who's to say... We've got fucking five umpires. Like, someone's got to say, fucking get someone out there. Definitely. The fuck? Yeah. We've got, after every uh, base on balls, uh, the batter taking off 12 pieces of equipment and putting on four more, and you know what I mean? Like, right. That's all MLB approved. That's fine. Right. That's, that's to benefit the safety of the player. Come up with a, a product that helps protect the player, the pitcher in this case, and gives them their stickiness that I guess the rosin bag doesn't accomplish without having to make it like this big like hidden secret that everyone's doing it anyway, right? Sure. Like do something, like come up with a product and and have it and just say everybody can use this or everybody can't. And I, I guess they've said that everybody can't. Yeah. So, and 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 that's what I was saying is like it sounds like almost across the board these guys seem fine with saying you know, there are certain products where we think it is a disadvantage or certain products where we think we should be allowed to use. And I, I'm here for that argument is all I'm getting at. Sure. Like, I'd be willing to listen on that because wh- whatever. Like, you know what I mean? I'm, 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 I, like, I'm old school, though. Like, I do like when guys were, to see a guy throw 98 consistently was fucked. And now it's like mm, almost half of them, or if not more, can probably hit that. Mm. That's, that's also insane. Like, that's cool, but... I'm fine with going back to slower pitches. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, sticky situations, the Seattle Kraken hired Dave Haxtell. Oh, wow. 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 That's not where I thought the topic no. was going. But. First head coach in uh, franchise history, the former Leafs assistant, former Philadelphia Flyers head. Is <sighs> headed, pour more wine for this yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> please do. Uh, headed to the Emerald City, where he will... Uh, you know, undertake the... Is that what it's called? The Emerald City. Yeah. Seattle. Um, he will undertake the very first roster that will be built in uh, roughly a month's time by Ron Francis. May as well finish off the bottle here. Yeah, I would. And um, as it seemed to do to every NHL media insider on record, mm. uh, confused the hell out of me, that's for sure. <laughs> Dave Haxtell. Hack to the crack. What do you think? Um, at the risk of overstating this, I I feel confident. I've thought about this the last few days. I think this is the most shocking head coach hire I can remember. 
and and here is why. Okay, so Dave Haxtell is coming from the Toronto Maple Leafs. I've heard of him, which, which is fine. Like whatever. Like it's it's hard to quantify his contributions in Toronto. Supposedly, he was in charge of the penalty kill for the most part. The penalty kill wasn't very good. If he was the one picking the personnel, I have a bone to pick with him. If he was the one picking the strategies, I think he did a decent job. But that's all we have to report on. So last we know of Dave Haxtell was when he was coaching the Philadelphia Flyers. In which it's not rumored, it's publicly reported and accepted that the players had some sort of a dressing room coup against him the last few games. At one point, he was hardly allowed in the dressing room the final few games of the year because they fucking hated this guy so much. So the players clearly didn't like him. Uh, analytically, those teams that he coached were some of the worst teams in recent memory because uh, all they seemed to do <laughs> was play dump and chase and really have no emphasis on possession on a team that's built upon skill. Which he, you don't need to win the playoffs, as we'll get to. He's yeah, well, he's going to the team the the team that's invested the second most money in analytics. In the history of the NHL. And they haven't even fucking played a game yet. So, here's my thought. They clearly have established their own metrics. And have established their own ability to analyze these fucking guys behind closed doors. Otherwise, everyone they've put in place is completely fucking incompetent. I think this is a horrible hire. Horrible. Next, they will win the Stanley Cup. I it's I can't even say if it's bad or good. Like you know what I mean? Like this is a guy no, that got, No, I get your point. This is a guy yeah. that got hired by the two most analytically driven franchises in the league. Yeah. There's got to be something there. I I I have to I have to believe I, only because of the sake of the the team I cheer for. Mm-hmm. There has to be something behind this hire that that we can't see, that we don't understand, that Ron Francis knows, that Kyle Dubas knew, because if it if if it's just because he was the best candidate available based on his track record on paper, it doesn't make a lot of sense. No. And I would take Rick Tocket over this guy based on the on paper. Wow. Analysis. Going back to last week, eh? Would I take Rick Tockett? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I would! I would! Maybe, yeah. No, like, I, but I get, I get what you're saying, like, and the other thing is, too, is, like, you know, the argument that you're making is there's, it's hard to make what these teams see out of Dave Haxtell, right? So, let's pretend for a minute here, because the Leafs hired him, the Kraken hired him, we don't know how it's going to work out with the well, Kraken, yeah. but, like... You know, there were a lot of things not to like about what Dave Haxtell did in Toronto. Let's pretend for a minute that analytics are flawed. And they are flawed. Okay. Let's 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 actually pretend that they're useless. From an old school standpoint, his teams also didn't fucking work in Philadelphia, though. He coached an old school, like, a non-analytics approach, basically. Mm-hmm. And... Like, like even just as simple as when he would go to the media, I fucking hated the answers he had for shit. I hated, like, he seemed mad at the team, but didn't have a good message. Like, he's one of the few coaches in the last five to ten years I can remember going up there, and he just seemed, like, nervous. Like, he didn't know what to fucking say, and it's like, 
what the fuck is this guy doing coaching? Him, Mike Johnston. You remember Mike Johnston that coached uh, Pittsburgh him. there? Yeah. Like, those were two guys where I just remember from the first day they fucking took over those teams, I'm like, what, are the, what is this guy doing here? And as soon as they left, the team got better. Granted, Philadelphia, you know, not exactly fucking knocking the ball out of the park right now. But as soon as he was gone, they did better, you know. And because I think Scott Gordon coached a team before. It was Elaine Vigneault even. And they did better with Scott Gordon. So, I don't know. There's just nothing. There's nothing with Haxtell that I see other than I, I agree with. Maybe there's there's got to be something we don't know. But also... I did like strategically what the Leafs did on the penalty kill. It didn't work a lot of the time, but it was very cool that they were trying to create opportunities through the penalty kill. Sort of like Montreal does, except Montreal actually succeeds at it, whereas Toronto tried it and got burned uh, off in mm-hmm. doing it, you know. Um, I, like, I, I liked the aggressive approach. I think he was good there, but uh, the guys they had killing penalty... Like, I just... I don't know. There, there's nothing here to me... That makes me feel optimistic with this hire. And to be quite honest with you, I was putting a lot of faith in their analytics department because I'm not huge on Ron, Ron Francis. And I, I'm I'm quite skeptical so far on where the Kraken's going. I really don't care for this move at all. Well, and I can't really recall, but like how much of Ron Francis's fingerprints are on the Carolina Hurricanes finger like like makeup today? Some. Right? Yeah. Like, there's an argument to be made that this guy knows what he's doing. And he went and hired Ron Brindamore, which each and every one of us said, well, that's a fucking dumb move. He is just the classic, played for the franchise, won a cup, fan favorite, will get you by till you get the next coach type of hire. Yeah. And he's a Jack Adams winner. <laughs> yeah. As it stands, right? Like... Brindamore was a weird one at the time because yeah. it just seemed like the narrative coming in was Tom Dundon basically came in and not in so many words was just like, I'm not going to spend any money. I know I bought this team, but I'm not spending any money on this team. We're going to win without spending any money. And everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, no. And the first thing that he did was like, oh, we're going to make the old player the coach. And we're like, oh, no. no. Like, yeah. it just seemed like they were trying to save money. But maybe they knew what was going on. Like, yeah. I, I get it. But I don't know. It's, it's, it's a little different to me where... You know, Brindamore is an example of a guy who clearly gets through to his team where Haxtell has had one opportunity in the league and blew it arguably as hard as anyone has in the last few years, in my opinion. Like, guys like Torts better than they like Dave Haxtell. Haxtell was there for, what, a year and a half, I think? Like, he wasn't there very long either. Three and a half. Was it three and a half years? Fuck, it felt like shorter than that, but it didn't go well. He, you know what? He had a, a strong body of work at the uh, NCAA level. He certainly did, and I'm a big hire of. I'm a big fan of taking guys from that level, even though a lot of them, most of them, almost none of them have worked out. But <laughs> um, it's it's weird. Like I, I really don't know where to come down on this one because again, I saw it. It confused me. I didn't understand it. I didn't agree with it. And then it was like I started thinking more and more. It's like. Well, my team hired him. Why did they do that? And I started asking more questions, and I don't know. I, I have to believe that... Seems just, like you got a lot of faith in the Maple Leafs right now. Uh, what that see, I, I just have to believe that Seattle knows what they're doing, I guess. Like, like was Gerard Gallant... Like, 
I, I don't think it was a surprise hire, but like, was he a guy that when he was hired in Vegas, we all went, yeah, that that he's he's a good he's a good head coach. I thought that this week, and and I well, fuck. I mean, listen, I'm willing to say maybe I'm a little biased because I I think I'm higher on Gerard, Gerard Gallant than most people, having not met the man. But uh, I I was very on board with that hire. Like I thought that was a phenomenal mm-hmm. hire. Yeah, and it turned out pretty good. Maybe not as good as I thought it would be, but better than most people thought it would be too. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I remember at least being pretty optimistic about that, but I've always been on Gerard Gallant fan because I think he had a track record where I don't think Dave's Hackstall has anything really to stand by at the NHL level. Yeah. I mean, like, like if you're a team willing to just, you know, forget the track record and, you know, the past is the past. Like if Dave Hackstall, maybe he interviews well, you know, like maybe, maybe that's what it is and that's what it comes down to and. You're not willing to take a risk on a guy in Bruce Boudreau who coached for 12-plus years and had teams fucking flame out constantly on him. You know, like, may, maybe if this guy interviews better than Bruce Boudreau, you talk yourself out of him, and maybe that is the right move. Like, you know, I'm not saying that go to Bruce Boudreau even though he's had a lot of failures at the NHL level, but certainly on paper he makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this kind of sparked slash led into a conversation about you know the Leafs, and I, I know with the Leaf thing last week on the podcast, I don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time. Welcome talking Welcome to Leafs lunch. There it is. Oh baby, Dingo uh, and the baby. Yeah. Uh, who, who who is it that hosts that? Uh, Andy Petrillo. Andy Petrillo. Yeah. Um, you know what the crazy thing about Leafs lunch is? Is huh. Andy Petrillo's whatever? She's fine. And is then she? she used to be fine. And, uh, she, she'll have on, like, one day it's, like, Dave Festchuk, who's, like, the no-name brand Steve Simmons. Like, he's, he's just as bad to me, right? Yeah. And then the next day it's, like, fucking Craig Button, and it's, like, well, whatever. Like, he's fine, I guess. And the next day it's, like, Mike Johnson, and they're having, like, a super intelligent conversation about analytics, and the guest phone call is Bob McKenzie, and it's, like, this is fantastic, and then... The next day, it's literal Steve Simmons. And it's like, what the fuck am I watching here? There's no consistency to Leafs Lunch. It's a horrible show. They should let us vote on the guests. It's going to be Mike Johnson, and he'll say no. He's got better shit to do than that. Uh, But this led us to this weird conversation about, at the end of the season, Kyle Dubas had his press conference and said that the coaching staff was going to stay the same. Clearly, that's a lie. <laughs> um, and now we get to speculate about whether or not Bruce Boudreau is going to come home to roost. And hey, didn't we already do this? Run the penalty kill, or maybe Manny <laughs> Malhotra should do that because he was defensive forward guy. Oh, you mean he was a penalty killer who ran the power play? But Bruce Boudreau might know how to run a power play. But see, I, don't I didn't. Know. I didn't know Manny Malhotra was running the power play until season started. Yeah, and then I heard that, and I'm like. Oh fuck! Okay, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And then the first, it was one of those things. First where eleven like, game. Go ahead. It was one of those things where like you heard it and it was like, oh, because he's a penalty kill guy and he knows what works against them. And then it didn't. I thought that. Work. And then and then and then it hit a wall and it's like, oh yeah, this is a guy who's had a career like oh. on ice of maybe five minutes in a fucking fifteen year career on the power play. Huh. And they were all like in a seven one loss or win or whatever where they're just like ah let's throw five guys out there. 
Uh, he was horrible. That was a complete fucking disaster. I'd rather have Paul McFarlane back, to be quite honest with you. And that's how fucking bad I thought Ultra was this year. I thought they were terrible. Um, so, uh, in my opinion, I would fire Manny Maholtra into the sun. But, uh, clearly they seem like they're intent on keeping him. So, yeah, if he's going to be on the bench, put him in a penalty kill role would be fine. I'll, I'll say this much. The Leafs' uh, face-off percentage went way up when they hired him, so no, for, I'm okay with that. For sure, but you can have him do a Steve Steos role, like when Steve Steos was there, and it's just like, he's kind of on the bench, but he's just there to like yeah. give them little tips and stuff like we that. Like, lots of money. He's the assistant to the assistant, and it's like, cool, this is yeah. great. Like That's what Manny Malhotra maybe should be fucking doing, I guess. In any case, uh, Bruce Boudreaux back being rumored as the guy, because, again... He didn't get the Seattle job. He didn't get the Buffalo job. He didn't get the Arizona job. He didn't get the New York job. Like, there we're running out of spots to put him. He's on record saying he would come to Toronto to be an assistant. Is it time? Does he come home? His father cursed the franchise. Like, is this how we end the, the fucking drought here? Or is this a guy that you want nothing to do with? My perspective on it initially was that... Um... You know, there's got to be other guys out there that can do this. Maybe let's try someone who hasn't done it before kind of thing. And the more I've watched that kind of shit around the league, the less it seems to work. And and uh, so last year we had the conversation about how, you know, Bruce Boudreaux, maybe they should bring him in. Maybe, you know what I mean, to help out on the Leafs bench. And I was not in favor of that. But at this point, like, I don't, at least I know he can run a power play. Like, at least I know he can. So I would rather him because, I've like, seen it happen. Look, look, I th- this might be one of the most outlandish things I've ever said on the fucking podcast here. I genuinely think I can run that power play better than fucking Manny Malhotra. I don't think it's hard. It's not fucking hard. I don't understand what the fuck this team does. And so for me, at least I know Bruce Boudreaux would be like, well, who who like who enters the zone with possession most often on the team? And they're like, well, it's William Nylander. Okay, then have him carry it in. And every time they did that this year, it fucking worked. Just do that. It's not fucking hard. Or maybe do something different on the zone entries one out of every three times instead of doing it eight times in a row in a two-minute period and just expecting maybe one of those times it'll work. Hasn't worked for three months. Stop doing it. So, yeah, I think Bruce Boudreaux at least has a unique perspective on that because he's coached in the league before. Hmm. So, fuck it. Yeah, Jack Adams winner. On, honest to God, fucking hire him. I don't care if he wants to come, hire him at this point. I, I'm, I'm done wasting time with the... Not, this is the first, first and only time I'm going to tell you. Go to the old boys club. Fuck it. Do it. Go to the old boys club. Find your fucking guy. Bruce Boudreaux's your guy. Do it. Wow. Do it. I don't care. I'm sick of this. Uh, Bruce won his. This is an only, unhinged Leafs fan. It's in our new segment. Won his only Jack Adams trophy in his rookie coaching head job uh, in the NHL. He had four seasons that were better since then. I like him. That like I really, he's a joke. I think he's a good hockey mind. I just, I'm, I'm very skeptical that he's capable of being a head coach. I'm not saying that I wouldn't hire him. But, like, like as a head coach, I mean, like, even if I were, like, Arizona at this point, I'd be like, well, yeah, we got to try something different. Why don't we try offense with this roster, and then at least you know if it works or not. Bring them in for a year or something, right? But if we're talking an assistance role, sure. I was opposed to it before, but let's try it. Fuck it. Bring them in. Yeah. I mean, my, my guy to run a power play is Lane Lambert, but 
he's coached under Barry Trotz for like 18 of the last 20 years. I don't think we're luring him away to run a different power play not under Barry Trotz. just doesn't make sense. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux once had 120 points in 81 games for the Fort Wayne Comets as a 36-year-old. So, can I can I try to guess his NHL stat line? Yeah, please do. I'm going to go... Oh, I know it's low. I'm going to go 120 games. Mm, not quite. Oh, sorry. A little more, but... Okay. 140 games. 141. More or less. 34 points. 70. It's <laughs> not bad, actually. I thought it was really low. Is his career high 34? I feel like 34 works in there somewhere. His career high... Oh, I'm thinking Austin Matthews, the guy that's going to be on the power play that he's running. His season high was 29 points in 40 games. Not bad. Yeah. He had a great career. He he got fucked by Harold Ballard, I feel, but... Maybe. Might be part of that... uh, Who didn't? Might be part of that uh, curse that his father laid in the franchise. Mmm. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be fucking us to this very day. Yeah, speaking of fucking us to this very day, Damian Cox still sucks. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's like, I, I, I thought we were done with this guy. I thought he, like, yeah. rode off into the sunset. He's, like, my hated media guy that I still... Like, the, pro- the thing with Damian Cox is, like, one out of every seven or eight tweets, he makes, like, a good point about something. It's not always sports, don't get me wrong. Sometimes it's like, ah, uh, oh, Doug Ford fucking sucks, and he'll say all this stuff, and it's like, yeah, you're right, man. Like, yeah, you're maybe winning me back here. And then the next tweet will be like, ah, oh, Austin Matthews deserves to be in jail. And it's like, oh, I don't need to read this anymore. Yeah. Um, Damian Cox went on, like, a, I don't know, like a, a midnight bender yeah i was gonna say which rant are we talking about specifically here where he like freaked out about how the lady bing trophy wasn't being given to a player that you've heard of again this is a trophy that you haven't heard of being given to a guy that you haven't heard of so you probably shouldn't care because the guy winning it doesn't care Mm -hmm. but damien cox cares so much that he wasted his father's day ignoring his own children to tweet out 83 things about how this is bad and we have to change things. And the Lady Bing should go to a guy that had a lot of points despite that trophy having nothing to do with points. Yeah. Really fucking weird. Yeah. And I mean, like, his whole argument, too, is like, ah, you should give it to, like, uh, uh, the part of the definition of Lady Bing he was reading into was the plays to a high standard, or whatever the wording is there. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? High standard of play, yeah. I think, is what it says. So he's like, well, high standard of play, Connor McDavid. And yeah. I'm like, I hate to burst everyone's bubble here, but the last fucking word that comes to mind when I think of Connor McDavid is a gentleman. I'm sorry. Has no one been paying attention to this guy? Like, don't get me wrong. Good face of the league. He's not a gentleman, though. Get the fuck out of here with that stuff. Like, Doesn't you know, know how to take a photo of anybody. No, he fucking loses it on the media. He loses it. elbows and heads. And he's right to do so. But I'm just saying, this is the one award where it's like, 
Yeah, like, you didn't earn it. Like, that's fine. You earn every other fucking award. Other than the Selkie, you could give him the Norris, for fuck's sakes. He probably breaks the puck out cleaner than any other defenseman on Edmonton Oilers since Chris Pronger. So fucking give him that award for all I fucking care. But do, he's not a Lady Bingwinger. What the fuck What the fuck are you talking about? He's not a fucking gentleman. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. It's lazy. That's lazy. Uh, if if Slavin is really that good, surely the very same voters will give him a lady that gave him a lady Bing uh, vote will give him a Norris as the top three in the sport, right? Question mark said Damian Cox a few days ago. I think last year when we did our ballots, I had him in my you top five. He might have even been did. my third vote for a Norris. You one hundred percent did. I fucking would. <laughs> sure, give him a Norris vote, like. Your point makes no sense, Damien. I I was so intrigued by his his rant because it was like as I read more and more, I was waiting for that like moment where it went like, oh okay, I kind of get it, but like each tweet was weirder and weirder and more confusing, and I was more like dejected from that perspective where I'm thinking there's something coming but it never came there's something about him that always reads like a fucking basement conspiracy theorist and and that's the problem with his with his writing like it's just a lot of it lacks focus and uh his tweets clear on this clearly did like like I don't know you, you got to think back to a time where you would turn into the uh hockey night in Canada intermission and you'd be greeted by four faces and those four faces were Damian Cox Glenn Healy Nick Kiprios, and George Strombolopoulos. Those were good times. We've come a long way, folks. I suppose we should just be thankful they didn't give the Lady Bing to Tom Wilson and have Artemi Pinneron give him the award, <laughs> said Damian Cox. Uh, based on the ridiculous Lady Bing voting, I fully anticipate Rasmus Ristolainen will win the heart, said Damian Cox. Like, what's he talking about? Is he okay? Like I'm, I'm, I'm at the maybe no, not. Honestly, I don't know. Honestly, I'm, at the, I'm uh, like, look, I'm at the point where like, should I start a GoFundMe for Damian Cox because I feel like he isn't getting the like medical attention that he needs to function as a member of society. I think there's something maybe a little bit wrong with him, and I say wrong in, in a sense where it's like, you know, it's okay, sweetie, just sit down. Drink some water. It'll yeah. be fine. It was fucking weird, right? Like, how do you give this award to Connor McDavid, who you just explained very accurately, um, has, you know, had some gentlemanly problems with, yeah, with like the way he's he just, He's not in our top 100 right? gentlemanly players. So he just isn't. Right. And how do you give it to a guy like Austin Matthews, who, like, in the future, maybe we can have that conversation, but... A year after the whole pulling his pants down in, in sure. public thing, yeah, let's let's take a knee on that one. You know, well, because he was nominated last year, right? Yeah, last year was weird. This uh, year, it's like okay, yeah. we're getting a little further away. We're from we're doing year. the thing where it's just like he's not going to win the heart, so we'll, we'll give him some Lady Bing votes because right. well, that wasn't last year. It was McKinnon, O'Reilly, and Matthews, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was like you look at those three, and it's like so Mc, McKinnon. Did McKinnon win it? I think so, yeah. And McKinnon is like, okay, so this is the guy that 
like threw a water bottle at his coach on national yep. television. Or the guy that drove drunk all into the time. a Tim Hortons. Like, or the guy that mooned somebody. Yeah, yeah. like it, it's, I don't, I don't know. Like, it, 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 here's what I'll say. is just like, Damien Cox aside, I'm happy to see that this award was closer to right this year. Like, I don't agree with Derek, Jared Spurgeon, but I was just happy to see a defenseman get nominated. I'm like, yes! Alright, fine. Like, I, I don't get where the fuck that came from with Jared Spurgeon, but like, Okay, sure. Like that's fine. Like, when, I don't when, care. when is the last time a defenseman won this award? Uh, I someone tweeted it out, and I genuinely think it was the 1960s. Like, look, look it up. But I honestly think it was that long ago, and it's been like four times in NHL history. Like, I think Red Kelly did it twice. So Slavin won it. The last defenseman to do that prior was. Ooh, I'm going way back here. This is. This oh, it was. Uh... Al McKinnis. I'm like, oh, fuck. This is, this is deep. Oh, a 19-year-old Wayne Gretzky wonder. That's actually kind of surprising. I did not know that. Congrats. Back-to-back Red Kelly. You got it. That was the last time. 53-54. That's crazy. This yeah. is a trophy that has nothing to do with a position. That has nothing to do with on-ice performance. And a trophy that the players themselves, for the most part, don't really care about. Yet... Damien Cox felt that two days of his time on Twitter, ignoring his children on Father's Day, was worth his uh, his time. His I'm focus, sure there are there's an article to be written and points to be made about this award, but his bizarre tweet storm, yeah, would, would just it was just wow. yeah, it made no sense. Like, and I guess he's not the guy to write that article. I I don't know, but. I don't know. He he's a guy where, like I said, I I I hate him, but every once in a while I want to like him because I think like he seems like he's not a horrible guy, but as a writer and a hockey watcher, he's an idiot. Like just an idiot. Hmm. Uh, shout out three time Lady Big winner local Alex Dolvecchio. There you go. Congrats, Thunder Bay. Um, for the record, uh, two gentlemen. Have won Lady Bing four times in a row. Uh, the first was Frank Boucher, who won um, seven of eight mm. back in the 30s. Uh, who, who who do you think might be the second to win four in a row Lady Bing trophies? Mm. They occurred from 2005, 2006 until 2008, 2009. And it go Pavel Datsuk. Yeah, you got it, baby. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. The magic man himself, four in a row. Yeah. One behind uh, Wayne Gretzky for second all time. Hmm. Should he choose to come back? Well, yeah, you know everyone does love a little bit of magic, James. And speaking of magic, hmm. you know, there's nothing better than good. a little bit of magic really behind good. the camera. Yeah. And I got to tell you, we got a good sponsor that can tell you about something like that. I don't know. I I, I really didn't plan that ahead. Uh, this week's sponsor, Smoke and Mirrors Media. Smoke and Mirrors Media is a creative media production company specializing in photography and videography. Their services provide creative content for clients that offer extraordinary advertising and exposure opportunities that will help any size and type of business stand out from the competition. Whether you're a struggling artist with a small budget or a successful business with some extra cash, Smoke and Mirrors Media can take your venture to the next level. Professional photography offers your websites, brochures, and social media outlets the opportunity to shine while professional videography creates an opportunity that allows potential customers and clients to get an in-depth look into that unique venture. 
Smoke and Mirrors doesn't just deal with commercial shoots, but also private accounts as well. So wedding and engagement photos, family portraits, and even more can be found through Smoke and Mirrors, and nobody does it better. Visit smokeandmirrorsmedia.ca and follow at smokeandmirrors.media on Instagram for more information. That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. The magic man himself. Magic man. The magic man, Mike Wern. <laughs> um, He'll be on an episode soon, I think. I hope so. Yeah. I don't have a quiz for you, but somebody else does. Okay. How's that? Sean McIndoe. Sean uh, Is it? Oh. <laughs> yeah. I love when every, like, two, three weeks, Sean just gives me a quiz and he has no idea I exist. Yeah. Did you take this one on The Athletic? No. 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 It's weird because I read Sean's writing, but every time you have a quiz for me, it's like the thing I didn't read. Ah, I have no idea what is coming here. So, Sean did a how well do you know the NHL rulebook because apparently it's been pretty bad in the world of the NHL official lately. So when you put this in the breakdown, I got excited because you put NHL refs quiz. Ah. And I thought I was getting quizzed about the refs and I'm like... I fucking know a lot about refs. You know what's crazy, though, while we're talking about not knowing a lot about refs? Yeah, please. I have never heard of Chris Lee. How? I've never heard of him. You have a podcast about hockey. I've never heard of him. And they're talking about this guy doing conference finals games, so I looked it up. You write for a website about hockey. I looked it up. He's refed 86 playoff games in fucking 21 years as a ref. Maybe don't have him doing the conference finals. Seems like a low amount. Yeah, but he's refed 21 years, having not heard of the guy's name. I, I don't think I've ever heard of him. I've heard of the defenseman that used to play for the Ottawa Centers and Brian plays for Lee? the Spengler Club, Cup. No, there's a Chris Lee, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, there is a Brian Lee, but yeah. there's also a Chris Lee huh. that plays for the fucking Spengler Cup team every year. I know more about him than I do this fucking referee that's ref in the conference. Finals. That's wild. Never heard of him. Now, like, if you told me that the Brian Francis Lee Chiron, from like, the Spengler Cup I can name Brian you, Lee from the NHL was, I can name you, like, the same guy, like, I, I maybe could have been fooled into that, but... No. no yeah, they are different I've guys. I, I checked on that, even. Because I'm like, is he fucking reffing hockey now? And I looked, and it's like, no, this guy's, like, 49. I'm like, okay, I've never heard of him. That's fucking... Never heard of him. Anyway. Anyway, the NHL reffing has been bad, so I'm told. Yeah, so, Chris Lee. Um, Chris Lee, my fucking guy, apparently. Sean McIndoe of The Athletic, uh, okay. at Down Goes Brown on Twitter. I am familiar. Uh, he put together a 16-question quiz one for every team that made the playoffs and he wants to know how well do you know the initial rule book because it might be better than the referees as he put it yeah there you go you might need that for sure uh now brutes i took this quiz earlier today yeah i went i went eight for 16 okay i went 50 percent. so it's about the teams that made the playoffs no, it's not. It's it. He just picked sixteen questions for sixteen teams in the playoffs. Oh, I see. What you're it is sixteen random rule book questions. Um, but in any case, I I I went eight for sixteen. I I I'm gonna put that as the benchmark. I guess I'd I'd like to see you beat me, but me too. Yeah, I guess I was gonna say. That, do you have any questions? But I couldn't imagine that you would. No, I'm not. I have no idea how this is going to go. Yeah. This might go very poorly by the sounds of things. Okay, so how well do you, you Brutes Bataglia, know the NHL rulebook? Ready to go? Here we are. I can already. I, I gotta say, yeah. there, there's one listener of the podcast that is going to have a fun time listening to this if I don't do well. Okay. Because I feel like it's someone who does know the NHL rulebook quite well. 
So shout out Colin to Jackie because I have no idea where this is going to go. There it is. This is going to be interesting. Okay. Question one. Some penalties in the rule book can only be minors. Can only be minors. Okay. Never majors. Of the following penalties, which is the only one that can result in a major and game misconduct? Okay. Hooking, tripping, holding, delay of game. Oh my god. It can result in a major and a game misconduct. Mm-hmm. It has to be delay of game. Okay. Oh, you won't tell me till the end? It, that's how this um, particular web Java script right. works. That's fine. Yeah. Let's go. Other penalties can never be minors. Even if no injury occurs on the play, of the following four penalties, Brutes, which is the only one for which an official can award two minutes? Is it spearing, clipping, slew footing, or checking from behind? Can they technically call any of those four in the, in the NHL? Oh, they can, and they have. I, ooh, man. Like, spearing sounds wrong, but I kind of think it is spearing. Like, I, I, okay, put it this way. I know there used to be a two-minute spearing call. I don't know that there still is. Like, maybe they've upgraded that to a major at some point in the last 21 years. Hmm. But I know, back when I was playing NHL 99, I'd fucking right. spear a dude. You get two minutes sometimes. Uh, cover athlete Eric Lindros for That's the record. Right. Yeah. I'll go spearing, okay. but it, it sounds wrong. But it, I, I didn't realize clipping was an actual call. For the record, uh, I went 8 for 16... We are two for two on answers so far, so we'll okay. take that as you may. Okay. Yeah. All right. Which of the following actions by a goaltender, which we see happen in just about every game, is technically a penalty according to the rule book? Drinking from a water bottle without first <laughs> obtaining permission from an official? It's got to be that one. <laughs> Removing a puck from the goal after a scoring play before the linesman can retrieve it? Interesting. Freezing the puck in the crease when not being directly checked by an attacking player? Or dropping to the ice and and remaining there without immediately attempting to return to a standing position? Judging by the way you read that, it's probably the fourth one, but I am going to go three, uh, covering the puck. Without without, being checked by an attacking player. Because I know that is technically a penalty to some degree i just don't know if it's in the rule book as such so yeah uh we are three for three yeah i feel like you and i are gonna have a lot of the same answers here we coached together for eight years eh, so that'll help uh question number four according to the rule book can a goaltender who has left the ice for an extra attacker return to the ice on the same shift for example if the other team has established possession in the offensive zone. No, the goaltender must remain on the bench until the next stoppage. Yes, he is allowed to return as long as the extra attacker leaves the ice at the same time. Yes, he can return, but not if it's overtime. Yes, he can return, but only if it's overtime. Who are those last two threw an interesting wrench in? Because I know I've seen 
I know I've seen it happen. Whether or not it was allowed to happen, I have seen it happen. Because I remember everyone freaking out. I want to say it was Pekka Rene in the last like, year or two. I think it's three. Yes, he can return, but not if it's overtime. Okay. We all know that icing isn't called if a team is killing a penalty. But what if the oh, no. shorthanded team shoots the puck down the ice with one second left in the penalty, but it only crosses the goal line at the other end if the penalty after the uh, sorry after the penalty expires? Would that be icing? A. It is icing. Mm-hmm. B. It is not. C. It depends on whether the penalized player's skates have touched the ice. Or D. None of the above. Hmm. Well, uh, this is a tough one because in all my hockey experience, uh, I've had it called. Uh, I've had all three come up. <laughs> shout out Thunder Bay refs. Shout out Thunder Bay refs, and also shout out EA Sports refing too. Shout out Mike Wern. Yes, there have been yes, <laughs> yes. I will never forget the game where we had. A player in net on a penalty shot. Do you remember that? Keep going. It might and come back to me. So, or sorry, they had a player in net on a penalty shot. Oh, okay, yeah. Yes. <laughs> now so, I do. so we yeah. went in on a penalty <laughs> shot, and the player stopped the shot. But the only reason the penalty shot had happened was because their goalie-less team, because their goalie wasn't dressed yet, one of their defensemen covered the puck up with his glove in the in the crease, yeah, yeah. and the ruling was that that's not a back penalty shot. That no, the the ruling is that it's a goal because it's a player covering up the puck in the crease. But they called it a penalty shot because the ref at the time, who I will rename, remain nameless, uh, ruled that he was playing goalie, and he is not an official goalie if he is not using Hockey Canada fucking goalie equipment. He's on the ice as a sixth skater. So, they ended up getting a penalty shot that we did... Sorry, we got a penalty shot that we did not score on. But it should have been ruled a goal because one of their players just grabbed the puck in the crease initially is what happened. Mm. So, yeah. I've seen, we've seen it all. Um, I will... I hmm, None of above is always confusing uh, in a quiz. And I think Sean knows that. So, I think that's why that's in there. I do think it's three, I think, with the skates... Depends on um, the penalized player's skates have touched the ice. Yes, but I will concede I have no idea because I've seen it called every which way. It's I have no okay. Idea. So sorry, which entry are you going with? Three. Uh, okay. It's the the skates on the ice. <laughs> okay. All right, Bert's The Sharks are playing the Coyotes. Oh dear, I don't want to watch that. And well, no one does. And at some point Sharks in the fans. game, the Sharks lose a player. And have to finish with 17 skaters. Okay. Okay. Pretty standard. The game goes to a shootout. And we're still tied after 17 <laughs> rounds. Oh boy. The Coyotes have Ooh. one more player who hasn't shot yet, but the Sharks don't. What happens now? A. Both teams can use a player who has already shot. B. The Ooh. Sharks can use a player who has already shot, while the Coyotes must use their last remaining option. C. The Coyotes use their last player while the Sharks forfeit their shot. Or D, it depends on whether the Sharks player left due to injury or ejection. 
You had me at C, but I will go with D. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, next question. We know that a goalie can't touch the puck in either corner outside of the trapezoid behind Mm -hmm. the net. Thanks, Martin Berger. Mm -hmm. But I think I, I would say Darcy Tucker driving Dominic Hasek into the boards from behind was well, probably the draw. <laughs> I feel like that was probably that the the, yeah. uh, the line. But but there is an no penalty exception. on the play. There is an exception okay. to that rule that makes it legal for a goalie to touch the puck in the trapezoid section. Okay. Under what circumstances? A he plays the puck with his skate or equipment, but not his stick. B. He keeps at least one skate in his crease throughout the play. C. What is he, fucking eight <laughs> feet tall? C. The puck has been shot into his zone by the opposing goaltender without being <laughs> touched by any other players. <laughs> or D. No. Or D. After playing the puck, he immediately proceeds to his own bench without attempting to return to the crease. So many of those answers were too weird for it to be A, but A is the only one that made. What was A again? He plays the puck without. What, what, sorry, with his skate or equipment, but not his stick. Right, like A, A is weird, but A makes sense. But those other answers. So you're saying that Marty. Mark Andre Florida could catch the puck in the trapezoid and throw it, or that's legal. But could he throw it to his own teammate? Because then it's okay. a hand pass, right? <laughs> but which is legal in his own zone? Yeah, I guess. I'll go A with acknowledgement that a couple of those answers were so weird that it might be one of them anyway. Okay. okay. And again, you saying you went eight for sixteen. At some point, logic goes out the door here because I feel like a lot of your answers were probably the same, right? You and I probably picked the most logical answer, I would think. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'll go away, though. Uh, every fan is familiar with the high-sticking penalty, one of the most common infractions in the game. Well, okay. depending who's refing. Right. Whack an opponent with a high stick, and it's two minutes or more. Okay. But what actually determines whether a stick is high or not? A, it's carried above the crossbar. B, it's carried above the offending player's shoulder. C, it's carried above the opposing player's shoulder. D, whether it's carried above the opposing player's shoulder, but only when that player is in an upright position. I'll go D. Upright position. That's okay. a tough one. Yeah, That's is. a good question. Yeah. I like that. I, I was going to go B, but I'll go D. I had the same answer on that one. Yeah. Okay. We are halfway through. What? Oh, Jesus Christ. While it's... I thought we were almost done. While, while it's rare these days, teams can call for a stick measurement on an opponent who they suspect is using an illegal curve. Those bastards. We talked about this just now, didn't Those we? Those bastards. Yeah. But what happens if a team calls for a measurement before a penalty shot and the shooter's stick is found to be illegal? Oh, sick. I have no idea because they stopped measuring sticks, like, basically when I started watching hockey. Yeah, even though (laughs) 
<laughs> Even though 80% of the six are illegal, they stop. <laughs> yeah, 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 honestly. Uh, a, the shooter still gets to shoot, but gets a penalty after. The shooter does not get to shoot and gets a penalty after. The shooter does not get to shoot, but does not receive a penalty. You cannot call for a stick measurement prior to a penalty shot. Ooh. Mm. That's a good question, too. Mm. That's a Sean question. Yeah. Yeah. It's A or D for me. Okay. That's tough. I think D. Okay. I I don't think you can call for a stick. That just... That goes back to the whole... How many times can you ask the pitcher to show us if he's got illegal stuff kind of thing? Yeah. Like, just... But the NHL's a terrible league. Now, once again, I went 50% on this quiz. I'll say this much. I answered the same for this question. Because my understanding was, when you have a penalty shot, time sort of doesn't exist. Right. You're shooting a shot, like, the time's not going when you take it. It's a penalty, but you're responding to it in a different way. But, but, but again, yeah, like, that's my whole thought. It's just, like, if if you could ask for a stick measurement on yeah. a penalty shot, yeah. why would you not ask for one every single time? Like, again, like, I realize I hate him, but, like, I think, like, Joe Girardi in the way where it's, like, why not take advantage of the rules? Mm-hmm. If you can... You know what I mean? Try to try to get any sort of event. Like, why wouldn't you ask for one? So, I, I, it's got to be D to me. Yeah. It has okay. to be. Okay. Next question. Let's say... Let's just let let us just say because it didn't happen this year. The Bruins are playing. <laughs> let's say the '93 playoffs. Okay, Leafs are playing the Kings. Yeah, Terry right, Frazier's right, refing. Right, oh right. fuck, Terry, Sean. Yeah. Relax. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Sean. Let's say the Bruins are playing the the sorry the Flames. Okay. During a scramble in the Calgary crease, the puck appears to cross the goal line. And Boston players celebrate. But play continues. And the Flames take the puck down the ice and score at the other end. On review, it's confirmed that the original Bruins goal did cross the line. However, that it was kicked in with a distinctive kicking motion. According to the NHL rulebook, how do we sort this out? A, the Boston goal counts. B, the Calgary goal counts. C, neither goal counts. Or D, both both goals count. Those are the four options. That's it. It's got to be neither goals count then. If it's a distinct kicking motion, you can't count a goal... That doesn't count. And then retroactively still count another. It's got to be neither. Because everything that happened after that goal. Or after that. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. No. That, no. It, ha- it has to be. Neither goal counts. Okay. Has to be. The NHL is a bad league though. So okay. we'll see. I'll say this. Every answer I'm giving. Yeah. Is right. Oh. It's just the NHL oh. that has it wrong. Oh. So. I see. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's fine. I thought we're almost done. We have six 
Six left. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, like, I'm having a fun time with the quiz, but it is a lengthy one for sure. A lot of wording involved, for it's sure. about 14 minutes we're at so far. It's not terrible. Oh, yeah. There's no such thing as a roughing major. True or false? The penalty... <laughs> okay. I was hoping that was just a true or false. Yeah. The penalty is a two-minute minor under all circumstances, except for what oddly specific type of punch. Yeah, exactly. Which, according to the rulebook, is the only way to receive a match penalty for roughing. Is it A, a player punching a referee, linesman, or off-ice official? B, a goaltender punching an opponent with his blocker? C, an opponent punching a player who is actively being treated by a trainer or medical professional? Or Jesus D, Christ. Or D. I mean, I hope so, but like. Or D, a player punching a member of the opposing coaching staff. What was A again? A player punching a referee, linesman, or off ice official. I think it's A. Okay. Yeah. Off a day. Yeah. Okay. Hockey players have always been encouraged to finish their checks. Wow, that was a rare time. I wish we were on video. Yeah, true. Even on opponents who no longer have the puck. But hits can also be too late, resulting in an interference penalty. How long is too long? Question mark. A late hit is defined by the rule books as... A... One that is initiated by the checking player after his opponent no longer possesses the puck. B. One that takes place a half second or longer after an opponent no longer possesses the puck. C. One that takes place after the checking player has had time to take two or more strides towards an opponent who no longer possesses the puck. Or D. The rule book does not define a late hit. I'll go D. The rule book does not define. B, B, here's my thought: okay. is that B and C are both are both understanded. Like those are both things that we accept as being a late hit. Mm. And I, I have a hard time believing a step like a step and a half was one of them. You said, yeah. I have a hard time believing the, that the rule book has a step and a half as something in the rule book. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, how, how, that's impossible for referees to track a step and a half to me. How do you even define a step and a half, too? Like, guys skate different, mm. but also the two step thing I remember hearing, and that doesn't seem right. I'll go D. It's, I, I'm honestly going to say there isn't a rule for a late hit. It's a flawed league. Um, <laughs> tripping. Seems like a pretty basic call, right? You, you haul a guy down, he trips, right? Here tripping. we go. Yeah. By far my most common penalty as a player. Let's fucking go. Yeah. I used to trip guys on purpose. Oh, wow. 100%. Okay. 100%. The last two... I would rather trip than hook. Fuck it. Make sure he goes down. Because, like, the hooking, the holding thing, the stick lift thing, fuck that. I want to make sure this guy is, is... At least if I'm taking him down on, like, a two-on-one, I want to make sure he's out of the fucking play. Fuck it. Earn the penalty. The last two penalties I took as a player were both trippings, and it was the guy stepping on my stick. 
<laughs> I had that happen a lot, like too, because I had a flailing stick too. And, and like, I don't mean to be that guy where it's like, oh, I didn't deserve the penalty. Like, that's the call. Like, he stepped on my stick. No, I'll, yeah, take the penalty but, like, for sure. But like, it happens. My my second last year, I took one penalty. It was tripping because the guy stuck on my uh, stepped on my stick. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. All right. You remember that year I played, and I only took three minor penalties, and I'm pretty sure like two of them were on sportsmanlike conduct. And I still don't know how I managed that. That's because it was the same refs you... coaching that year as they're doing the playoffs this year. Actually. Yeah. They've all graduated, yeah. eh? No, exactly. Cool. All right, Good so we, 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 you and I agree that tripping is a pretty basic call. Right? Okay. It could happen to anybody, really. That's what I'm getting right? at. Yeah, okay. So it may that. surprise you, Brutes. Sure. That the rule book actually defines specific body parts... A player can commit the infraction with. Oh no. Which of the following is not a body part that is penalty worthy for tripping an opponent? Shin? So you trip this part of their body? No, with your body. Okay. Shin, knee, hand, elbow. (laughs) Have fun. No, no, seriously, have fun. Take... Take 10 seconds. Take 10 hours. Think about it. Shin, knee, hand, elbow. Yeah. Okay. I realize this is going to sound fucked up. Sure. I think I'm going to go knee. Okay. That's what I went with. Oh, no! (laughs) That doesn't sound good. (laughs) Oh, no. You used the same logic I did, right? Because kneeing is its own penalty? Kneeing is its own thing. Damn. Um, there, Damn. There are three questions left. The rulebook's basic definition of cross-checking is... Oh, God. This doesn't sound good either. The action of using the shaft of the stick between the two hands to forcibly check an opponent. Sure. End quotations for those that oh. aren't watching on YouTube. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we gotta get that going. What other factors are included in the determination of whether a cross-checking infraction has been committed? The location on the ice where the check is delivered. No. The location on the opponent's body where the contact occurs. No. The position of the opponent being checked relative to the direction from which the check is delivered. Or none of the above. None of the above. Come on. Okay. I think the spirit of this question is like, if you cross-check a guy in the face, is that high-sticking? If you cross-check a guy in the knee, is no, that tripping? It. Right? Okay. So you went none of the above. We'll, 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 we'll see. I think a cross-check's a cross-check. The puck over glass penalty. Oh, Christ. Is a controversial... Is there a picture of Mr. Marner in this fucking article, it, too, or what? Look, it's controversial, as it states. It's controversial. With some fans, some fans, not leaf ones, appreciating the black and white nature of the call. It's over the glass, that's a penalty. Black and white. If a player sends the puck directly over the glass from his defensive zone, even accidentally, you're in the box. But, Brutes, you may be surprised to know that there is one exception in the rulebook, where it's not a penalty, if a player sends the puck directly over the glass, 
under which circumstance? A. With his hand or body instead of stick. B. When playing the puck directly within his own team's crease. C. Directly off a face-off. Or D. If the player is a goaltender. You know what's fucked up is I've seen all four instances instances of that in yeah. an NHL game okay. multiple times and I'm trying to think oh. which it is. Okay. I... Okay. Goaltender... Goaltender, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure I've seen a goaltender do it and get a penalty for it. Hmm. But the, the other reason I'm not thinking goaltender is... We once had, in minor hockey, one of our goaltenders shoot the puck over the glass and get a fucking delay of game penalty. Uh, <laughs> and that is not a rule in minor hockey. So I, I feel like goaltenders are not immune to that. Um, body part, I've for sure seen. Whether or not it was the correct call, I guess is what I'm getting at. But I, for a fact, have seen that happen multiple times. What was the second one? When playing the puck directly from within his own team's crease. That is that is the only one where I was kind of like, I'm not 100% sure I've seen. I've seen the face-off happen, but I don't remember the call. I'm not sure I've seen the crease thing. But that, I would have to think. I'm going to go face-off. Face-off. Yeah. Okay. The crease thing would kind of make sense to me. But it also doesn't, because it's like, why wouldn't you just fucking fire it out of the mm. glass? I went face-off as well. Again, 50-50. Oh, God so damn, I don't like helps. you and I are picking a lot of the same Lastly, Brutes were, fo- were, were, uh, <clears throat> Brutes, were used to seeing mm-hmm. referees signal penalties when they're called, right? You know Slash. You know High Stacking. Again, we're not on video. You don't need to you do all tripping. these. He does, oh, all they can of, see it. he does all of them, yeah. <laughs> Boarding. <laughs> Two minutes. Five minutes for fighting! <laughs> God, does the NHL miss Wes McCauley right now? My God. <laughs> but not... God damn it. But not every penalty in the rule book has a hand signal defined for it. Which of the following penalties does not have a signal... Clipping. ...associated with is, it? Is clipping an option? Is it boarding? Okay. Is it too many men? Is it illegal check to the head? Or is it clipping? See, the I, pro- I, I've already seen you eliminate one of them. So Yes, sorry, I've eliminated boarding. Yes. Um, now, too many men, the, clipping, the interesting illegal thing check with, to the head. Head, I think... Head does in minor hockey... And I would imagine it's the same in the NHL. But that's not necessarily true. Now, again, going back to the answer from earlier, I, I was not aware the clipping was an actual penalty. So I'm kind of out on that one. But the thing for me on, like, this is where it gets interesting. is like, I don't know if this question just gets into semantics. Because too many men does not, does not have its own. Too many men is unsportsmanlike conduct. So it does have a hand signal. But it doesn't signify specifically too many men, as far as I understand. Now, they may have changed that. But I know that was how it went at one time. 
Now, for my own gratification, again, no one can see this on YouTube. What is the hand call for unsportsmanlike conduct? It's just the T. Oh, okay. Your T. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. okay. You, you, you know, when you you remember when we used to get bench minors when we were coaching? <laughs> that is. Remember, remember when you were tossed out of the game for it, yelling at a referee? I, I, ironically, <laughs> unsportsmanlike conduct, at least at one point in the NHL, I, it's not quite the same in minor hockey, but the same signal you would do to do a timeout if you're a coach mm. is the same thing a ref would do to do an unsportsmanlike conduct. I see. However, they've also adapted the hips thing. Right. So there is that too, okay. and I don't know which they use. But regardless, I know all I'm getting at is that I know too many men falls under that category. Umbrella. Okay. Um. So what I'll say is I don't think it has its own dedicated hand mm-hmm. signal. So I'll go with too many men. Okay. Because I would imagine clipping does because. No one knows what it is. What, what, what the hell is clipping going to be? Fighting! Yeah. He's got fucking couple of laundry laundry pins and he just goes up clipping them. Does the Edward Scissorhands fucking thing. Zoidberg from Futurama. He just goes up fucking clipping. <laughs> I'm okay. submitting your answers for the record. You guys remember Zoidberg? Okay, Bruce, I got your answers here for you. And mm. you're not going to like them. Oh, God. (laughs) Like, like, listen, everyone listening, I feel like I picked the logical choice, right? Like, do people necessarily disagree with me? Come on. I I feel like you picked, like, almost 80% of the same answers I did. So I'm not not saying I'm any better, but... (sighs) But also you're going to say that because I got, like, four out of 16 or some shit. Not that bad. Not that bad. Okay. (laughs) Not that good. That's uh, what I thought you were going to say. Bro. Some penalties in the rulebook can only be minors, never majors. Of the following penalties, which is the only one that can be a major and a game misconduct? Hooking, tripping, holding, delay game, use of delay game. I did too. Uh, hooking. Rule 55 specifies that hooking that results in injury should result in yeah. a major and a game misconduct. No, I remember, I remember such that. Such penalty. For tripping, holding, or delay a game. Yeah. I when I answered, I thought like grabbing the puck, throwing it at like a coach or something like that, or you know, it was it was more ambiguous. Now that I think about it, I actually I don't know why I didn't say hooking. I know hooking used to be. I thought of that too, but delay. I don't know. I just figured maybe flipping the net over, like the the David Leggio bullshit. I figured maybe the NHL got ahead of that. But when does the NHL get ahead of anything? Am I right? Other penalties can never be minors, even if no injury occurs on the play of the following four, which is the only one for which an official can award two minutes. Spearing, clipping, slew footing, checking from behind. You said spearing. I did as well. The answer is clipping. Uh, The act of throwing a check aimed at or below an opponent's knee is a minor penalty. Unless it like results in an injury. Do. Slew footing is a match penalty. Checking from behind must always be major. Yeah. Uh, although officials can get around it by calling it boarding instead. And spearing is always a major if contact is made. If you try to spear a guy and you miss, that could be a minor. But referee's discretion. You could argue clipping is the worst one. 
which of the following actions by a goaltender, which we see happen just about every game, is technically a penalty according to the rule book? Uh, drinking from a water bottle, removing the puck from the goal after the goal has been scored before the linesman can get there, freezing the puck in the crease before uh, when not being directly checked, or dropping to the ice and remaining there without immediately attempting to return to a standing position. You got this one right. Damn, it I was hoping it would be the water bottle. Freezing the puck in the crease when not being directly checked by an attacking player. There you go. Thank you. According to the rule book, can a goaltender who has left the ice for an extra attacker return to the ice on the same shift? You said, yes, he can, but not if it's overtime. And that is correct. Let's go. If you want to get technical, this weirdly specific rule only applies in the regular season, making it one of the only cases where there really is Different rules for the playoffs. (laughs) It's related to the fact that giving up an empty net goal in overtime forfeits a team's loser point. Which is a whole other thing that you're really just going to have to trust Sean on. Sean rocks. Uh, We all know that icing isn't called if a team is killing a penalty. But what if the shorthanded guy gets out before the penalty is over, but you've shut the puck down, that whole thing. This was one of the few where I I didn't answer with confidence, so just answered. Uh, It is icing. It is not icing. It depends on whether the penalty uh, player skates on the ice, which you said, or none of the above. It is not icing. Is the answer. So you got this one wrong. Uh, well, it, sh- it shouldn't be icing. Right. That's for sure. But R- rule <laughs> I've definitely 80- seen it called. Rule 81.6 explains the icing is determined by whether the penalty is still in effect yeah. when the shorthanded team shoots it, not when it reaches the end of the ice. Now, I don't remember what year it was, and I don't know if you ever noticed, but one of the most three recent NHL games had a glitch in there. You could ice the puck and still have your guy in the box. But if it didn't cross the like the red line, I'm imagining, is maybe what the glitch was. Because that seems like the most sure. likely spot where they had a program programming glitch. They would call it a penalty. Okay. It was fucked. No. In any case. Uh, yeah, I want those wins back. The next one, the Sharks are playing the Coyotes at some point in the game. The Sharks lose a player, right? You got 17 guys. Evander Kane, probably. Shootout. Evander Kane. Yeah. Uh, the options where both teams can use a player who has already shot. Uh, B, the Sharks can use a player who has already shot, while the Coyotes must use their last remaining option. The Coyotes use their last player, but the Sharks forfeit their shot. Or, as you answered, it depends on whether the Sharks player left due to injury or rejection. That is incorrect. The answer is both teams can use a player who has already shot. Mm, yeah. Kind of makes sense. Yeah. Has never come up thus far. Yeah. For the record. So. How many weird. have gone the distance? Like, there's no. only been three or four, I think. Eh? I, I thought one, but, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Merrick Malik. That that, that didn't go 18. That didn't even go that was, that was, He was 16, yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right. We know that a goalie can't touch the puck in either corner. Outside of the trapezoid. But what is the exception to the rule? He plays the puck with his skate or equipment, but not his stick. As you stated, he keeps at least one skate in the crease throughout the play. 
The puck has been shot into his zone by the opposing goaltender. Or, after playing the puck, he immediately fucks off and heads to the bench. That's awesome. Now, this is one that I got right. But I feel only because I read a lot of Sean McAdoo content. Day in and day out. The answer is that he keeps at least one skate in the crease throughout the play. That's how the the rule is written. If you can keep a skate in the crease <laughs> and play the puck in the trapezoid, you're good to Be go. Be my guest. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun. So, Hey, guys, I just want to announce I'm signing with the Florida Panthers. Yeah, pretty much. Ah, Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. Uh, nice to see yeah, you. Yeah, if you're Ben Bishop, you can lay down... <laughs> And reach with your stick and touch the puck. Who's the tallest goalie of all time? Is it six seven? It's like it's so it's Bishop seven. and, and Lindback. Yeah, there hasn't yeah. been a guy bigger than I that. I don't think so. That's cool. So, all right, Brutes. Uh, every fan is familiar with the high sticking penalty. Whack an opponent with the high stick. It's two minutes, maybe more. What actually determines whether a stick is high or not? Your options were whether it's carried above the crossbar, whether it's carried above the offending player's shoulder, whether it's carried above the opposing player's shoulder, or as you answered, whether it's carried above the opposing player's shoulder, but not when that player is in an upright position. I had the same response, and I'm sorry to say, we were both wrong. So James... I have to raise a practical question at this point. Please do. How the fuck is it high sticking then? How's it high if the guy's bent down? It's not high? Well, if the guy's laying on the ice, it doesn't give you free reign to smack him in the face with a stick. Then it's spear. Right. Or whatever. Um, The answer is if it's carried... (laughs) If we've learned anything tonight, there's like 95 penalties they can call. They only just happen to call three of them. It's funny you say that because it's almost as if we're leading towards some sort of conversation that might be about whether or not initial officiating is good. Um, The answer is... Ladies, how is everyone feeling tonight? Yeah, yeah, I am not feeling good. Let's get all the sexy bitches (laughs) on the dance floor. Yeah, I'm probably not going to do that. Shout out Tonic 2011. Um, whether it's carried above the opposing player's shoulder. Which I thought was weird. Because... That would have been my fourth guess. Yeah. I honestly... That would have been my last guess. Because here's my thing, right? Like, if, if you're the opposing player, and you're five foot two, and the and guy so you're trying Chara to check is, is Chara, yeah. and you go above your shoulder to, like, hook him... That's not high sticking, in my opinion. I answered if yours is in Oshara and you get a high sticking penalty on a guy that's shorter than you, right? No, I, like, I get I get that the rule book wasn't written in mind with fucking Zidane Oshara yeah. playing regular shifts against Nathan Gerby, but like the rule book was written in mind with like the idea of Marty St. Louis playing regular shifts against Darian Hatcher. So like. I guess. You know what I mean? Like, like at worst, anyway. Like, I don't know. It does seem. I'd, I'd go back even further, where everybody was like five foot seven. Sure. <laughs> even. <laughs> but hmm. yeah, Weird. it's the opposing player's shoulder. According to Rule sixty, a high stick is one which is carried above 
uh, the opponent's shoulder, which no, with no allowance to how that opponent might be positioned, apart from a brief aside about players leaning over for a face-off. Technically, this means that a player who is on his knees or even sprawled on the ice can be high-sticked, even by a stick that's barely off the ice. It's almost never called that way, but it makes sense. If you're an opponent on his knees, that doesn't mean that the guy behind you can just whack you in the face with no consequence. Uh, the next question. While it's rare these days teams can call for a stick measurement on an opponent, what happens if they call for it before a penalty shot and the shooter's stick is found to be illegal? Uh, a, the shooter still gets to shoot, but the penalty afterwards. The shooter does not get to shoot, but there's a penalty. The shooter does not get to shoot, but does not receive a penalty. Or as you answered, you cannot call for a stick measurement prior to a penalty shot, which I also answered. The answer is the shooter still gets to shoot, but gets a penalty afterwards. However, they have to change their stick. I was very close to yeah. saying that. Yeah. Um, obviously, my answer makes the most sense, but yeah, yeah. There's there mm. there's an asterisk here if he changes sticks, and that stick is found to be illegal. Uh, he's out of the game. <laughs> so maybe just grab oh. the the flat blade from so kind of like bringing spider tack to a soft right. tack party there eh? yeah interesting yeah okay all right let's say the bruins are playing the flames and during the scramble in let's the tower of say, priest the puck appears to sure this the has goal never line. happened right and sure, the bruins this is a completely hypothetical example but the play continues and the flames go down and they score on this review, happened right like i feel like i remember this happening I, I don't. No? Okay. Yeah. I feel like this did happen. It probably has. On review, it's confirmed. All of our Flames fans are freaking out like, oh my God. yes. We, we just got 70 Oh, nails. yes. Yeah. <laughs> On review, it's confirmed that the original Bruins goal crossed the line, but was kicked in. What happens next? Uh, the Boston goal counts, which seems really weird because it was kicked in. The Calgary goal counts because... They did nothing wrong. The officials fucked up, and we went down and scored. Neither goal counts, as you answered, or both goals count, which seems ludicrous. But of course, it is the correct answer, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, the Bruins <laughs> The Bruins goal can't count because it was kicked in. Yeah. But because it crossed the goal line, play should have been stopped. So the Flames goal does not count. Even though it was human error, and I answered that the Flames goal should have counted, but no, it should have. Yeah, but I understand right. the ruling on that. Like everything after that incident is is yeah yeah void. Okay, so there's no such thing as a roughing major brutes. Okay, can't rough a guy. Can't be a major. Sure. There is one exception. Uh, a player punching a referee, linesman, or I was going to say, like, are you trying to trap me here? Official, which you answered. A goaltender punching an opponent with a blocker. A, an opponent punching a player who is actively being treated by a trainer or medical personnel. Just an aside. Can you imagine going back to that, like, John Tavares hit where he's lying on the ice dying? And... Someone just skates yeah. up and punches Chris Ooh. Broadhurst. Uh, Joel Edmondson was just like skating by and like 
fuck you, John, and punch him in the face. Punches the player. Even just, I thought, I thought they even was just like if he punches like the the doctor. <laughs> like that's what I'm picturing. He he just clocks Chris Broadhurst. And it's like, <laughs> you know who I don't even think has worked for the Leafs for like years, but that's the guy that comes to mind. When you read that, it was just kind of like that sounds like a rule, but why would it happen? Kind of thing. You know? Hey, fuck you, Doc. Now, there's only one sports doctor I've ever wanted to punch. And I know you know where this is going, and anyone who listened to our Miracle commentary knows where this is going. I would have clocked the doc from Miracle, right? But it was the 80s, so who's to say? You know? I would have been all hopped up on cocaine by then. Okay, so there's no such thing as a roughing major, but the exception to the rule is when a player punches... A referee, linesman, or off-ice official as you answered. I was going to say that's what it said, right? That's incorrect. Uh, a goaltender punching an opponent with his blocker. Yeah, that's fair, though. Like, though, like I don't yeah. disagree with that. I just, you know. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, hockey it's players, just to call it roughing, I guess. Yeah, what do you call it's, it? You, it's roughing. Yeah, it's roughing. I guess. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Hmm. If you do it with the glove, you're fine. Uh, hockey players have always been encouraged to finish their check. Right. Check. How over. long is too long? You answered the rule book does not define a late hit. That is correct. The rule states that uh, the check must be rendered immediately following his loss of possession. That's it. That's it. That. Explains most of hockey history. So yeah, tripping seems like a pretty basic call. Which body part is not worthy of a tripping penalty? Shin, knee, hand, or elbow? You went knee. Mm-hmm. Elbow. As did I, because kneeing is a thing. It's got to be elbow. Uh, the answer is shin. What? Uh, rule 57.1, a player shall not place the stick, knee, foot, arm, hand, or elbow in such a manner that causes his opponent to trip or fall. Sean just So you can trip shin. a guy with your shin? I guess so. If they don't de- As long as it's not a slew foot. If, 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 if they don't deem that the knee or foot, you're good to go. Alright, well, I'll see what I can do. Yeah. Uh, the rule book's basic definition of cross-checking is the action of using... The shaft of the stick between the two hands uh, to forcibly check an opponent. He's a complicated man, but Uh, no one understands him but his woman. Shaft. Shaft. Uh, What other factors... I haven't watched the new one. Have you watched the new one? I gotta watch it. What other factors are included in the determination of whether a cross-checking infraction has been committed... The location on the ice where the check is delivered, the location of the opponent's body where the contact occurs, the position of the opponent being checked relative to the direction from which the check is delivered or none of the above, which you answered, and which is correct. Thank you. Uh, Cross-checking is the action of using the shaft of the stick between the two hands to forcibly check an opponent, and that is it. That's, that's it. Every time you see a player Shaft. take his stick and spread his hands 
and used said stick <laughs> to hit a guy. That's awesome. That's a penalty. I love this league. Mm. This league's great. The puck over glass penalty is controversial. Some fans appreciate the black and white nature of the call. The only way it's not a penalty is E if he puts it over with his shaft. If if you pick the puck up with your teeth and throw it (laughs) over the glass, that's fine. If you sell a puck to a fan, that is still delay of game. Pretty much. If you ask the official to pick the puck up and put it in their pocket and they refuse to, (laughs) you're good to go. Um, There's one exception in the rule book, and it's if you win the puck, the face-off directly off your stick and it goes over the glass. Not a penalty. I went crease, didn't I? You went face-off. Oh, good. You got it. I remember watching... It was a Dallas game. I don't remember who did it. I remember watching a Stars... Sean Vegas in the game? I don't know. Sean says, has that ever happened? Question mark. I'm not sure. I'd like to see it. So, I don't know. If I can find it for him, I'll send it to him. There you go. I've definitely seen it. Um, I scrolled... Yeah, because it was Cody Eakin. I, I know for oh. sure. I just can't remember what oh. team he was on. Okay. <laughs> he must have been on fucking Vegas. But. And and the last question. Finally, we're used to seeing referees signal penalties when they're called. Mm-hmm. But not every penalty has a hand signal. Which one that seems unfair. does not have a hand signal associated with it? Boarding, which we know. Boom. We know boarding. Boom. Yeah. Illegal check to the head, which we know. <laughs> Would have been a much better episode on YouTube. Yeah. Too many men, <laughs> which we know that you answered. This guy's fucked over here. Or clipping. You're the next Wes McCauley. If you, you were can right. Skate like him. You were right. It, it's too many men. Despite oh. us seeing every game, the linesmen do this. Oh, the twirl. We Is that what that. they do in the we league? We see that all the time. We see this. Right. Yeah, no, that is not a thing, though. That's not a thing? Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, I, Honestly, I forgot that even existed. Jimmy yeah, no, that's is, not a thing. Uh, despite being around forever, does not have an official hand signal. The other penalties, which don't have an official hand signal, are even rarer. Uh, they are kicking, headbutting, and throwing equipment. Those are the only four that don't have... Hand signals associated with them. Brutes. Well, sorry. Headbutting, throwing equipment. Kicking. Kick. Which is different than kneeing and tripping and... Is that a... Footing, that's a call? You went 7 for 16. I'm, I'm fine with Not that. bad. Not bad. Because I was right on the other 9 anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well... That was neat. Well, Brutes... It, it's oh. fine. I enjoyed learning things. I I like the rule book. I find it interesting. Good, good. Speaking of coming up, Sean's good for that. Speaking of of coming up, forty-eight percent. The Montreal Canadiens are on to the Stanley Cup Finals, despite everybody picking them not to. Yeah, fifty-two percent of the time. Yeah, Um, they beat the Vegas Golden Knights Mm -hmm. in six games. Not even seven. Nope. Less than yeah, six is less than seven. Yeah. I'll 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 set this up by by also stating simultaneously that the Tampa Lightning are going to play them mm-hmm. after winning Game Seven. Mm-hmm. So you got the Habs, you got the Lightning. Mm-hmm. You've got one team that excels 
in you know the the world of analytics hmm. and and how to build the team and and what to expect from a good team and you've got another who finished outside of the playoffs mm-hmm. points wise two mm-hmm. years in a row mm-hmm. uh, who got some pretty good goaltending for the most part mm-hmm. both years mm-hmm. If 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 you're Ron Francis and we're and we're gonna do this in a, mm-hmm. in a couple weeks, if if you're Ron Francis or or anybody starting a new franchise, which model do you look at and decide that's how I want to build my team? Tampa Bay or Montreal? Is that a genuine question? Well, yeah. What do you do? How do you build the team? Okay. Because you have you have two of the most complete opposite teams. Playing each other for the Stanley Cup. Do well, there's not? there's two ways I can answer that question. Okay. 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 Now I want to. Uh, this is going to be a long point. I want to start off by giving Montreal credit. Like I like I don't want to sit here and say that Montreal's horseshit like I did a week ago, because okay. every game they've played since then they all played Vegas and they earned their way to where they are. Now over well, the. Over that six-game series, they got outplayed. But through the last four games, like analytically, they were the better team. I watched it games five and six. They were the better team, I thought. So, like, I'll I'll give them some credit. Like, I thought they were fine. Now, with Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay is obviously a very different build team. So, if you're looking to build a team, here's what I would say. And... This is going to take credit away from Montreal in a way, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because they're going to the Stanley Cup final. If you want to build a team that's going to get a, uh, going to win playoff hockey, then you want to build like Montreal. And the way that Montreal is built, and I, I will debate it till the cows come home if anyone wants to, clutch and grab hockey. And sure, yeah, Vegas got away with a lot of shit in that series. Montreal got away with a lot more because we're getting used to watching Montreal grab this guy, hook this guy, fucking throw this guy down. That's how they play. They get away with fucking three penalties a shift because that's the way playoff hockey's reffed. But that's the way Montreal's built to play. So it works for them. If they're if they're not taking penalties, who gives a shit? All you got to do is win games. And that's what exactly what they're doing right now. And I'll give them a lot of credit. Like, like they're doing that well. Montreal is sort of built to win playoff hockey. Like, I'm not sure that I've ever doubted that. Maybe I have here and there. But, like, they are. Like, they're built like the Islanders. They're Islanders light. And, uh... So, if you're looking to build a team, you can build it that way. And I genuinely think that's kind of how Vegas was sort of built in the first place but it didn't end up working that way or you can build like Tampa Bay where it's uh you have 120 million dollars worth of players on four million dollars out and I'm up I'm not playing that card necessarily either but um so what you're saying Tampa is a team that does not have a bad contract aside from Tyler Johnson where when you think a bad contract on like Vancouver, it's like several guys who shouldn't be in the National Hockey League. And for Tampa Bay, their worst contract's Tyler Johnson, who, instead of uh, living up to his second line center salary, 
he's like a third or fourth liner, but he's still very good for them. So, uh, you should try to build like Tampa and try to get these bargains and shit, but uh, if you want to win the playoffs, I hate to say it, there's nothing super wrong with Montreal, I guess. So, so what you're saying is I to guess. win the Stanley Cup, you have to cheat outlandishly to get there. I mean, right? you, you can make arguments about all four teams. <laughs> if you if you really well, wanted to, but could, could you though? Like, could could you argue that like the Islanders cheated their way to the finals? Well, they're over the cap too. Like they're a team that's but they're, they're they only get Paul Mary because Lee's out. But they're a different case, right? Because sure. because Lee gets hurt halfway through the season, and now we've lost a guy. You can't accuse of the uh, you, yeah. No, I get it. You can't accuse the Islanders of of trying to take advantage of that, but. Technically speaking, three of these four teams are over the salary cap, and the only team that isn't is Montreal, and Montreal is is doing it a different way. Like I don't, I don't think these four teams are cheaters. I'm not getting to that point. It's just like if you want to get into that argument, you can make the case with probably a bunch of the teams that are out too. Everyone plays everything to their advantage, sort of thing, and um, you know. I, I don't know. I'm I, good. I, I have a hard time. I'm good with the four teams. I have, like, I have like a hard if, time if saying I, that sorry. the Islanders are cheating. But do you think Tampa is? Yeah. You do? Okay. Well. I, I'm not like, taking that away from you. I just, sorry, I'm, I'm, sorry. I don't. I don't. Sorry. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that Tampa's cheating, but I'm, I'm saying that they're breaking a rule and the NHL is letting it happen. Okay. Right? Like. Well, well they aren't. But what they're doing is circumventing the cap yeah. in the NHL. Like yeah. I, 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 they're not breaking any rules. But the problem is they're they found a loophole that the NHL is not taking issue with. Sure, like with the Islanders, and like, I'm they, fine they, with they, them revising that rule in the future. Sure, but I have but no won't. issue. I have no. Well, maybe though they, well, they might. Would they? But you've 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 got twenty. Why well, wouldn't you've got thirty one other GMs are going to be like that might be me one day. Why would I change that rule? That that's going to be a tough one. But yeah. but all they would say is that um, I I don't take issue with Tampa's current run. That, that's all I'm. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I will always kind of be like, yeah, they were over the cap, but it's also a weird year. I don't I don't know. I'm not going to read too much into last year. I'm not going to read too much into this year. Ten years from now, people talking about Tampa as a dynasty. I'm not going to take that away from them because I feel like they should have several cups by now as well. But they just didn't get it done. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's it's a they're going to be a weird team to look back on historically. Yeah, yeah. they're you know? they're they're weird in the sense that they played by the rules, but I think the rules are flawed themselves. Sure. So, I would like them to revisit that. Like, I don't I don't want teams to be able to do it in the future. Yeah. But I, but they won't. I stand that, behind them doing it. it right now. Yeah. To be quite honest with yeah. you. So, you've got two teams that are meeting in the Stanley Cup Finals from the same division. Mm-hmm. Do we finally get a reseeding of the Final Four? Why not? Like, like, why not? I don't. I don't have a further point. I'm literally like, asking why not. Like the 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 objection to it is like. I guess the TV ratings. Are you going to sit there and say that the defending Stanley Cup champions are going to go up against the Montreal Canadiens, who are probably what the second or third most 
you know, followed team in the league. Easily the most historic team in the league. Sure. And that we're going to have worse ratings than we had when the Devils played the Kings. Or the Hurricanes played the Oilers. And if you don't have worse ratings than that, how do you not mo- mo- look at that as a, mm- a, a you know an option moving forward? Yeah, I, I guess I don't know. I I, just, I think the more surface level version of it is that most years you're not getting a Montreal level team to this point, and you don't no, have to no, worry too that, much though? about that. Like, what 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 do, what do you mean by Montreal level team? Well, they're not great, right? They, but, they've done a good job defeating who they've had to defeat, but they had a yeah. round where, I, I said it before, like I do think there's 20-something teams that could have beat the Jets in the second round. Sure. But they still took out two very good teams by all accounts, right? Certainly. Right. Two teams that have playoff issues, I, I, I would say. Like, like, again, like I'm not saying Montreal's bad. Like, I do think Montreal's earned their way to where they are. It's not like they fluked their way to where they are. I think a lot of people are writing this off as like, um, you know, like this just kind of happened. Like, no, they beat the Leafs. They beat Vegas for sure. But I I don't think you can count on a team every year that's 18th in the standings making it this far. It's not going to happen every year. It's it's very rarely, if ever, going to happen. So for me, the receding thing is never going to be too big of an issue because... I genuinely don't know if a Montreal level team makes it this far at any point in the next 15 to 20 years. Like the the odds are just insane that they've made it this far. Good for them. Mm-hmm. And uh it goes back to the beginning of the year when they were like 8-0 and 2 to start the year and everyone's like, "Wow, juggernaut. they're the juggernaut." And like everyone was like, "Yeah, we'll see." And then we're all laughing at them all year and it's like well, yeah, no, but this is still the same team that everyone really, really liked at the beginning of the year. And whether or not they were right to do so, if a lot of people still did. And I didn't, but um, I can certainly understand how they made it this far. I think I took them to finish second this year. I don't know. I'll look. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I, guess, I, don't, I don't think it would be a bad thing. I, I guess I see your point because only at the very least the Montreal Canadiens win the Cup will help the league on on paper like as, as a name brand right yeah this this idea it that creates a lot of other problems this idea that a team can show up and haul you down and you know skirt by by the seat of their pants and win close games because they have a competent goaltender but also they do a lot of things well like it like it's not to say that yeah but they do a lot of things bad like that's just it right like for everything that you can say the Habs do well put, put, there's, there's another thing you put, can say they do put better. it this way I think we're both making the same point but like I'll give them credit in today's NHL but if we're to call the rule book where it's at this this they're not a good team but the rule book is where it is right now and they're probably built specifically in mind knowing how playoff refing goes okay I so think. now they they have to be look at their look, look i've made this point a million times on the podcast look at their fucking defenseman 
They do not have anyone on that blue line that can skate other than Jeff Petrie, who's like 6'4", and he's an average skater. Everyone else is slow as fuck. They know that, and they know that these are big guys that can just, as long as they fucking read their lanes well, they can just take you down. That's all they do, and mm-hmm. and that's fine, mm-hmm. but like, legitimately, like, I'm not, this is not a Canadian's argument, this is just a hockey argument, it's the same point with the Islanders, who've been doing it for years, and I think the Canadians have seen it, the Islanders... And every other team are just very much like, as long as we don't get called for a penalty, who gives a shit? And it's years and years now where it's just the whistles get put away. So why not build a team like that? Yeah, but... Where it's just like, you can just haul a fucking guy down, and you're going to win games where it's like, you clearly... Yeah. If the rulebook got called the way it should get called, you would have out-penaltied them uh, 19 to 11. But the power plays were 2 to 2 tonight. Because that's the two calls but, the refs picked. But and and I agree. Like that's that's one way to build a team. But like, as, as I'm I'm thinking from the 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 fan that doesn't follow the league, right? Like, oh my my city is in the finals. I'll I'll pay attention for two weeks. Like, why isn't every team winning that year then? Like the Lightning aren't that team. They won last year, right? The the Penguins have had back to back cups. They were. They, they the, barely had six defensemen, the, let alone the, the six li- guys that can shut the them down. Lightning, the Lightning take the most penalties in the league. Okay, that's a different discussion, right. I think. But, like... Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, a, that's a messy one, because, like, yeah. I think you and I are on the same page. I think they do that intentionally. Yeah. But I'm arguing the Islanders and the Canadians do that intentionally, But they haven't won too. the Cup. They've been doing this for years. No, no, but but the Canadians have been horrible. The Pittsburgh for Penguins years. barely had six the, defensemen when they won the back to back. The Canadians are deep, and the Islanders have been there two, three years in a row. Like they've had deep playoff runs. I, sure. I'm making the argument that these teams are starting to get away with it. Like I, I like I'm not saying it's a, um, like it's a surefire way to win. Obviously, you'd rather have better players, but like I don't think that these guys are necessarily wrong for being like if we just have a deep team that can kind of just get to 60 minutes mm-hmm. like there have been teams for years and years and years that have done this like the blue jackets did this before them and never necessarily a cups. deep run yes it, no but I'm, I'm just saying no i'm, I'm not saying I, th- I think you're misinterpreting this as like i'm saying build a team this way i'm not saying build a team mm-hmm. that way but i'm saying that's why these teams get far because that's the well, way they're well, built. When did the Blue Jackets get far? They that went to one, the that one time. To, that one time they beat the Lightning by well, chance well, because the, their the Bruins. The Bruins suspended. are built like this, though, too. Though the are Bruins they? were built like this the whole 2010s. Are they? For for sure. They and were. their one cup proves that. They had Adam McQuaid on defense and shit like sure. that. Sure, and they won a cup. Yeah, yeah. Ten years ago. Are are you saying that there aren't teams built big and slow that make it like the Blues just won a cup? The Blue that. the Blues are the one like outlier that I, I I will kind of admit that like aside from the fact they had like nine fifty goaltending. I'm I'm what I'm saying is that I think the refer like the calls are getting worse, and I think there are more outliers in years like this where the playoff formats fucked. Yeah, and the year is weird where it's happening but obviously i think that's what these teams had in mind is to sure do this like i i'm saying that the islanders and the canadians are built 
to take advantage of the refereeing. And I think this year certainly made it more evident. But are the only are are they the only two teams that do that? That I guess that's where I come down. Or no, no, right? for sure. Like so there like, are also like going back to what you and I were just talking about. There are bad teams that do that. Like the Blue Jackets certainly have tried mm-hmm. to do that. They're not. They were okay, and they're certainly getting worse. Um, there are teams that I think are just built to try to make the playoffs, and a lot of them don't. But you know. I think there was an argument sort of to be made with the Predators there too, I think. But Absolutely. I, th- yeah. I think the Predators are a great example about like a, a team that was built defensive first that never got over that hump. Um, they used to be a different team, obviously. Like you gotta they used you to react and adapt, but, but yeah. Like the the Sharks were another one where like you had a strong defensive core that again never got the mm-hmm. job done. Right? Like I'm not I'm not trying to throw teams under the bus too, but like if the Senators somehow squeaked into the playoffs this year, that was going to be the plan. Mm-hmm. They were going to try to play teams tight. How do sure. you play them tight in a playoff series? You try to get away with shit, and mm-hmm. that's what they were going to do. Like any any bad team tries to do it. The Canadians are just a good team that isn't good enough to make it this far unless they kind of clutch and grab a little bit. Sure. Right. Like the, the Ducks, I think they're good. The, though, the but... Ducks were a big one for me back when they won the Cup. It was like, well, here's here's this new era. The Ducks of... might have been one of the first teams to do that. Here, yeah. Here's this new era in, of defensive in the new hockey. Era, anyway. you got to be big. you got to be strong to win. And then who was it the next year? It was the Red Wings who showed up with Datsuk yeah. and Lidstrom. And it's like... Yeah, no, you don't have to win that way to to be to be the champions, and then and then Crosby shows up with Melkin, and it's like, yeah, who's on defense? Chris Letang, right? Is that it? And it, and it's weird too. Like it's a weird conversation to have too. Like how like we have it every year. Like how do you build a team? But it's like it's one of those things where, you know, when was the last time you saw a less star-studded team than the Canadians make the playoffs? And to me, or sorry, make the finals. And to me. It's probably the 06 Oilers, but even the 06 Oilers had Chris Pronger on defense, mm-hmm. right? Like, they got their good goaltending. Canadians, good goaltending this year. Defense, solid. Defense, solid. Forward, solid. Forward, solid. Like, they're a carbon copy, but, like, the Oilers had Chris fucking Pronger playing 30 minutes a night. And, like, the Canadians have had Jeff Petrie hurt for 25 minutes a night. They play Ben Sherratt is the guy that plays the most amount of ice time. He's horrible. Sort of. Your your answer is the 20 <laughs> He's not horrible, I shouldn't say. Your answer is the 2012 Devils. Where they had a good goaltender who got hot, maybe. And you yeah. showed up with uh aging core on defense. Peter Harold. And Patrick Eliash that still knew what he was doing, yeah. uh a Eric Stahl. And still managed to barely win two yeah. games in the finals against a team yeah. that finished eighth in the other conference. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, and, that, and that was a thing that got me fired up this week, too, is, like, everyone comparing this Habs team to the Cana- to the Kings, and it was just, like, like, in terms of maybe expectations from some people, sure, but the Kings went into those playoffs, like, 20 and 8 and 2 over their last 30. Like they won 20 of their last 30 games yeah. or something like that going Me- to the playoffs. The Montreal they're Canadians a team that went away from being 500 in the season. Sure. <laughs> well, but even their playoff <laughs> performance what I'm getting at. Like it's just like the Kings No, no, no. no. Playoffs included. 
the Habs are one game of wins still sure. from being 500 on the season. I yeah. just want to put that out there. I like. I'll give the Habs credit. Like, don't, the, the, don't give them credit. I, I this is the worst thing that will happen to the game of hockey is if this team wins the Stanley Cup. Well, I don't. I don't hate that argument though. Like I like I I don't necessarily disagree with you there. I I I think they deserve to beat Vegas and the Jets. And no, they don't though. That's the maybe the Jets. Maybe for the sure Jets. they did. They fucking destroyed the Jets. Like they destroyed I, the Jets I way guess. better than the Jets did against the Oilers. Like that but was like fucked. they should not have beat the. They Vegas had like sixty eight percent expected goals. Like they fucking sure, destroyed. But the Jets. so does the Leafs against the Habs. Well, it wasn't that high though. It was close. Like we're, we're talking I don't have a it in couple front of me. percentage it was, points. It was like fifty four. It wasn't. It wasn't I, crazy. I think but. it was higher than that. Well, re- like, regard, regard. Okay, but regardless, they beat that team, and then against the Golden Knights, it's I have the whistles went away. I haven't ran. Well, but for sure, like it, it's almost even against them, and I'm just saying, like the refing certainly played a part. But I do think the Golden Knights got away with some stuff too. Like I, I, I don't know. It, it's not good. It's certainly not good. And I, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, oh, this is great for hockey in that sense. Like, this is for sure the worst hockey team I've ever seen make the Stanley Cup final. But I'm not also going to sit here and say that I think that they're abysmal. Like, they're not awful. but They shouldn't be in the playoffs. They're abysmal. They're bad. They're, they, are, they do not deserve to be... Where they are, it's hard. It's hard for me to argue that an eighty-two game season they don't make the playoffs. But this is like it's an, hard. You you could say that with any team. This right. is like an MLB team making the World Series finals based on the one guy that threw every single game, every single inning with sticky stuff under his belt. It's bad. It's not good. This is not what you well, want. Well, they still got to get it done on nights where that guy's not on the mound. Sure. It's a bad argument. So every yeah, no, in that, I, I, I don't, I don't agree with your comparison. But like, uh, put put it this way: like Tom Brady is throwing the deflated footballs every night and getting to the finals. Again, don't agree with that comparison. But um, there, there, there's no question something flawed with the idea that the Canadians are here, given the fact that you know. The Jets had to beat the Oilers, and now that we know how bad the Oilers were for sure, who could have ever foreseen that? And, you know, like, the, these teams that they had to beat, and then plus the fucking Leafs who tend to choke every year. Like, like I, I, I don't know. I, I err more on the side of the North Division being pathetic than I did before now. Um, so, I'm not going to sit here and say that I think the Canadians are... Put put it this way, I think, I think the Lightning are going to make pretty quick work of the Canadians, but I said that about the Golden Knights, so. Congratulations to the 2021 Stanley Cup champion, Montreal Canadiens, <laughs> on winning the Stanley Cup. Before because, we even get another uh, episode in, eh? They're yeah. just gonna fuck. <laughs> uh, Brutes, the last... Uh, so, Price and Vasilevsky are gonna play in the finals. Okay. Who cares? Yeah. What's your point? Uh, the last time <laughs> two former Vesna winners faced off in the finals was uh, when? Take your time. They had one of Vesna yep. going into the series. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, no, it's probably been a bit, eh? Maybe. Mm. I'll go 2001. So that would be 
Belfour Brodeur. Brodeur uh, Wa. Brodeur Wa was 2001. Mm. That just seems like the most sad guess. Yeah. I, 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 I'll say this much. I think the wording of the question means that the, the most are too recent. So, like, Vastlovsky won last year, Price was the year before. Price won the Vesna within the last seven years? Yeah, I think you're finally cluing into what's wrong with this league. When did... What? When did he win the Vesna? <laughs> I thought he had won, and it was like 2014. Uh, and rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, he had one in 2015. So maybe this question's uh, flawed. Yeah. Yeah. What are you talking about? It was supposed to be Vashik, or sorry, Hashik and Belfour. Uh, it was it was Vitek Vanacek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know if he's ever won one, my guy. Yeah, all right. Well. That can't be right. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet on this guy's fucking Twitter account for sure. No, um, but the, la- the last time two former Vesna winners even... Even, like, if you think back to it, I don't know. It's been a while, though. Like, if you really think about it. Like, had Quick and Lundquist both won a Vesna by the time? Like, probably, I guess. Eh? Maybe that would be it. 2014. All right. Now, here's an interesting development. Um... Elias Sports Bureau. Mark did not win his first guess. Vesna until 2003. So technically, the last time two Vesna winners faced off was Hashik and Belfort in '99. Am I not right with with Lundquist and Quick? No, nope. Quick ever won a Vesna? No, nope. maybe he doesn't. Eh? Never won. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine. I could see. Isn't that, that wild? I Bro- don't agree with it, but I Bro- understand it. Brodeur finished second in '97 and '98, while finishing fourth both years in heart voting. But never won a Vesna until 2003. No, thank you. That's fucked. Belfort Hashik. It's a lot to take in. 99. Well, just like that year, I'm sure there'll be a controversy in the game-winning goal. Um, we got a top 10. It's back. Yeah. It's back. Yep. It's here. It hasn't That's left. promised. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm excited about this one. Rightfully so. Top 10 Canadian bands. Top 10 Top 10? Top 10. Yeah, exactly. Top 10 favorite. Favorite Canadian bands. Yeah, because, yeah. Realistically, yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Okay. Um, Top 10 favorite Canadian bands. Uh, um, What do you think? Honorable mentions at the end? Do you have any? I have one. You have one at the end or right now? I don't care. I think at the end. Oh, sure. Because it'll build suspense as to what's maybe not on the list. So... Uh, you're number 10, sir. Uh, but guess who? I did not expect to hear them on your list. That's cool. I, I have a lot of respect for those guys. First Canadian band to ever have a number one single in the U.S. But you like them? I don't think... I, I didn't think you liked them. Hey, have you seen Superbad? Well, yeah. These eyes... I was about to say our intro is uh, super bad, but that's Pineapple Express. Oh, you... No, I don't know. Fucking the guess who? The guess the, the guess Hugh. And as I wanted to segue into the, the Huey Lewis uh, guess who cover band, that is my number ten. Um, I don't know. I like. Have they put a, a song out that I don't like? I don't think so. The They're problem is solid. they did like 
Three albums. Oh, they're, they're very so, solid. I get it. Big fan. They're very cool. Real good. Burton. Turner. <laughs> Cummings. Overdrive. I don't, I don't know. Who's yeah. who? Um, yeah. Uh, fair enough. My number 10 is Tom Cochran and Red Rider. Ooh. Controversy on the, on, on the field already. I don't know. You think so? Well, like, Red Rider is fine. Tom Cochran is great. The two of them together had one album. It was okay. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. I, I, I figured I, I, I should mention something too here. I figured what we were doing tonight was a little bit more of a tribute to uh, Canadian music in a way. So there might be a few flags on the field here, I think. But uh, I have one coming up. Don't I, I, I will say that they are all at some point a band. And so, uh, yeah, Tom Cochran and Red Rider. Look, um, Tom Cochran was, for a long time, uh, a lot of people looked to me weird, and I understand that, uh, toward the top of my bucket list, if not at the top of bands I wanted to see. Uh, I've happened to see Tom Cochran a few times since then, so I'm very happy about that. Um, I, I, I just think he is, he has one of, he might have my favorite voice ever i i as a singer if i could sing like that i would fucking love that you know what i mean and and i've always loved tom cochran for that as a lyricist i think he's fascinating and look i think red rider as a band is super talented like i i've always wanted to see them together and the fact that i had the opportunity to actually see red rider show up to a tom cochran show um I'm just very happy about that. So, yeah, yeah, that would be my number 10. Um, but I would say, to your point, certainly Tom Cochran solo stuff, as well as Red Rider, it's a combination for me on this list. Um, that's why I have honorable mentions. We'll talk about oh, later. There so. you go. Uh, <laughs> my number nine is the Matthew Good Band. Mm-hmm. Also, I suppose, a bit of a controversy, because... There's Matthew Good Band and there's Matthew Good. Yeah, I'll, but I'll get there. No, no, no flag on the field for me. Thank you. Um, here, here's the thing for me: is Matthew Good Band mm-hmm. came about as Matthew Good Band, Matthew Good Split, and still kept a couple of the members yep. for a while, oh, and yeah. they've kind of recycled. So you have the same issue where now Sam Roberts is Sam Roberts Band. Where before he was just Sam Roberts. And to me that makes Sam Roberts a solo artist. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like there was no distinction. So the band to me is a touring band. Where at one point the Matthew Good band was a collective. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? A collective. Force. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, No I think that's fine. Okay. Did you have anything you wanted to say about them? No. uh, Matthew Good is one of my like like, favorite (laughs) solo artists. Mm-hmm. But I have to respect the work he did as the band prior because I think he's a a fabulous. So would you have put him higher without the band? Though? Oh yeah, like if, if, if no, this I, was, I, no, I if, think that's proper. If this was Canadian artists of all time, and we were including like solo musicians, hmm. Matthew Good would probably be three or four, but the band. Damn. Ninth. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna not like my points oh, later, maybe. Boy. But no, fair enough. Okay. No, you know what though? Like, whatever. 
Mike? What's your What's your favorite Matthew Good or Matthew Good band song? It's Apparitions. Interesting choice, but sure. Which, which like was a Matthew Good band song, but the Matthew Good live version without the band is probably the best version of it. So yeah, I man, I love Weapon. Weapon's one of my favorite songs of all time. Solo, solo. no, that's what I was going to say. But, like, again, we're here to celebrate these these people. So, like, yeah, even, fuck, actually, I was going to say my second favorite song is on Matthew Goodband's song, and it's not. It's Alert Status Red. But, anyway, um, Mm. my my number nine is actually a band. You'll be happy to... (laughs) Okay, please, please, yes. You'll be happy to learn we're actually going to have a band here. My number nine is Protest the Hero. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah, I've never had the opportunity to see him live. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I've definitely had, had the opportunity, opportunity to see him live, sure, like eleven or twelve go. times. No, it's not even that I just didn't go. Uh, I have never gotten so unlucky with the band. Uh, I don't know if anyone's gotten so unlucky with the band. They've been here like ten or eleven times. I have legitimately had something where I could not go every time. A uh, few times I had to work, couldn't get out of it. Whatever. A couple times I had hockey legitimately i had a funeral one night i was like i just can't i physically can't go to this thing like every time they come to town and they haven't been to town for a long time since i've now been like i will move i'm an adult now i'll move heaven and earth like before i was a kid it was like ah whatever i'm like 16 year old going to this fucking mosh pit show maybe it won't work out now i will move heaven and earth to go see this band i will i will go on a trip to see them but i've never seen them I love them. I think they're very talented. Uh, the one thing I'll say too, toward the end of this point, that I really like about Protest a Hero is for the last three albums, I think they have been committed to. Um, look, we'll stop making music if you guys want. Yeah, but we'll do a Kickstarter if it gets twenty five grand. That'll be our production for the album, and we'll make another album. But if we don't get to that number, we'll return all your donations. We won't make another album. And every single time they get to that number in, like, not even 24 hours. And it's like, yeah, no, everyone loves you. Keep making music as long as you're physically fucking capable of doing this. And they keep doing it. So, yeah. Progressive Metal Band, they're not for everyone, but they're for me. Very admirable choice, for sure. Love them a lot. I am now very curious at the rest of your list. Um, (laughs) There's an omission that you're, like, not accounted for. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Uh, Number eight for me is the uh, Bare Naked Ladies. Wow. Yeah. Um, Cool. The the peak years of this band were probably uh, to to that weird point where they broke into that U.S mainstream where it was like oh we're actually like a global band Mm. and uh we're barred from certain countries in the world because of the name of the band Mm -hmm. and um yeah i don't know they've they've had some misses but a lot of their hits have hit for sure and they may be one of the biggest hit or miss examples of yeah. the band ever. But one, the the one thing that like kind of brought me back to the band was when they had their reunion show at the Junos with mm-hmm. their original singer Stephen Page. Seeing that live was unreal. Mm-hmm. That was very cool. Yeah, those six guys back together and not expected. Yeah, and so that was even more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. I, I would agree with that. It's a, it's a good point. Yeah. Uh, my number eight. <clears throat> uh, Billy Talent. Oh, shit. Nice. 
my number seven. I, I think I told you before we got on uh, the Zoom call. Maybe I didn't. Um, but my three to seven range changed a lot. Billy Talent never moved out of eight. I, I'm not really sure why they wouldn't make it further than 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 they are on this list kind of thing. But, but I guess all I would say is that... Sorry, they're your number seven. Is that what you yeah. just said? Yeah, So, to, to me, one thing that I've always heard with people who are Billy Talent fans, and I think you sort of agree with this sentiment, is just that they've sort of faded off. And I would agree with it, but not... <laughs> To the extent that I think bands normally do. Like, I think their stuff is still pretty fucking good. Um, but it's not as angsty as it used to be. And it sort of it sort of leaves you wanting more. But it's certainly not bad, is what I would say. Um, so, I, I really like them. I've always wanted to see them. And the way they broke onto the scene. The way that they sort of just uh became this band they were the first canadian band where it was like hey here's this new band and we're like holy shit check this shit out and everyone was like for a year this band is the greatest fucking thing that's ever happened is your name billy exactly and so this new singer billy talent of course that everyone sort of thought existed um but yeah no i i just think they're very all-around solid band yeah billy talent faded off in the way that most bands do when their drummer gets ms but um well that's yeah. probably got a decent amount to big, do with it too. big but. part of that for sure i don't know like th- th- this band put out one album where i was kind of like yeah okay that didn't like absolutely rock my world so i i guess they're not gods so it was, it was their fourth album yeah yeah no, sorry, the fifth album. Afraid to hide. Because I was going to say, I like the fourth album, I too. like Dead, Dead Silence, for sure. Yeah. I thought you didn't. That, I, I, no, I did. Yeah, yeah, I thought Dead Silence was fantastic, but... Great. Afraid you of know, Heights was very much like, you guys had ten songs lying around that the drummer drummed on at one point, and sure. you want to keep them. For, I get that, but... Yeah, yeah. and they, they've they been kind of making do with what they can at this point. Exactly. And, it, it, um, it's an impossible situation, for sure, so... It'll be interesting. Like you, you never know. So, sometimes these people hit a second win, and there might be some sort of an angsty thing coming up. But I, I think there will be. No matter what, I'm, I'm, I'm. I think they've done enough in their first three albums to cement themselves higher up in Canadian music than people really give them credit for. Absolutely, I do genuinely think they're one of the best Canadian rock bands of all time. Higher than I would put them on some of my favorite bands on this list that we're going to get to. But all right, uh, my number seven, uh, Our Lady Peace. Mm, that's my six. Uh, this is this is working out interesting. That's great. Um, yeah. Uh, look, like obviously, I. Uh, well, yeah, no. There's nothing to spoil here. I'm sure that we're getting to the tragically hip later on. No. Um. But 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 certainly, Our Lady Peace was the second best Canadian band of the '90s and probably the earlier 2000s. And to me, um, I'll give them some credit where credit is due. Certainly, bigger on an international stage than the tragically hip ever got to. I think that Our Lady Peace has a has an, a radio appeal that is 
sort of like almost unparalleled when it comes to Canadian bands uh, that aren't Nickelback. And um, no, I'm not trying. I don't. I don't I'm, know a lot of people that don't like them. I'm not trying to be that that asshole where I'm like the hip are all be all end all, but like was OLP big outside of Canada? Because like I know the hip had I, I know the regions the hip were big in, but like I can't think of Gravity did well, Billboard charts for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so that, that, that that's news to me. Perhaps not in the nineties. Okay. But but uh, yeah no uh, somewhere out there and innocent were huge in the states. I did not realize. Yeah. Um. Which is weird because like when you think of Our Lady Peace, like I'm telling you this for the first time. I'm not sure that I would consider either of those their two biggest songs even. But they are, technically speaking. Yeah. And would I consider them their two best songs? No. no. They're great. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love Innocent. I love Somewhere Out There. But, no, Somewhere Out There was huge when it, in the States for a little bit there. Hmm. Um, it's been featured on, like, American TV shows and shit like that. Like, it's 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 a big song. Um, I, I, I'd be hard pressed to say a bad thing about the band. I think that, um, they're one of the most creative Canadian bands that that's ever been. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have too much to say about them. Honestly, I think Brain Maida is a lyrical genius. Uh, quite frankly, like I just, I don't really i i don't know i'm just gonna pump their tires constantly there's nothing else for me to say. yeah um <laughs> i i have a hard problem with this band because i i do love the majority here's your 10 10 favorite bands and i'm like here's yeah. what i don't like yeah. about them okay i i i i love pretty much everything they do but like in my heart i feel that the best version of this band doesn't exist like I, I, I yeah. Like, you, you said what Rain made it no. was lyrically. I think Mike Turner is one of the greatest songwriters, you know, behind a guitar to ever come out of this country. And you got three and a half albums out of him. Yeah. And well, and a weird the half thing. of the half of that album happened to be their biggest success, where he has a lot of writing credits on it. A weird thing is, too, is, like, the greatest drummer of any band of all time is Canadian, which is Neil Peart. But, well, technically. And, um, like, Jeremy Taggart's one of the better Canadian drummers of Taggart's all time, great. too. yeah. Right? No, like, sure. like, like there, it's not even just because I like the dude. Like, there is a lot of complexity to the first few albums that he was on, yeah. right? And, no, Taggart, um, Taggart you know, is fantastic, but it's just one of those things, like... You look at what OLP has done since Mike Turner left. Yeah, I would argue there's yep. not a lot of gold there. It's a lot yeah. of silver. But what, what what was our first album without him? It was well, uh, it was half of Gravity, but after right. that it would be um, Healthy and Paranoid Times, I guess. Which I thought, I thought was very very good. But you're right. Beyond that, yeah. it kind of I I, 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 I really like Healthy and Paranoid good. Times. I thought, I thought there were some songs that were good. I, I thought the album it, itself lacked, but. That's that's possible. I th- yeah. I I think. Eh, well, I was going to say it's your second best album. It probably isn't. It still probably is their fourth. But <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So that's your six, eh? That's my six. My six is Matthew Goodband. Nice. Uh, 
Look, like, I put Matthew Good slash Matthew Good Band, but it, it remember just everywhere I went when I was, like, seven or eight years old hearing Hello Time Bomb on the radio constantly. Right, I, I couldn't go anywhere without hearing this song, and uh, it is nowhere near their best song, but it might be their biggest hit, and um, I, I, I think Matthew Good has done an incredible job I thought Matthew Good has done an incredible job um, since then doing his solo stuff. Like, I love his solo stuff, but um, there, there's a lot to be said for this band and the work they did. Like, even the last album they had was was very, very good. Um, yeah, I, I, I've seen Matthew Good more times than I have seen anyone, I believe. I, I, think, I think I'm at five. But I don't mm. specifically remember each show. Mm. But uh, I know I've seen them a ton. Or Matthew Good a ton. And uh, there's something about him live. Like I remember one time I came out. And I think this is one of the only shows I saw him where you weren't there. I don't remember who I went with. But uh, I saw him at Crocs one time. And he came out on stage. And he literally didn't play a chord. He just came out and said... Uh, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not feeling too good tonight. I'm my my mental health is fucked. But uh, whatever, we're gonna do this. So he didn't talk much that night, but when he did, he was very poignant, and it was a lot of long points, and it was very interesting to just kind of get a perspective into his mind. And he would play all these songs, and it was just like you got more insight into what he was kind of thinking when he wrote things. I thought I don't know. It was it was very interesting, but. Uh, that's my long-winded way of saying I love Matthew Good very, very much. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing a quick count now. I've seen the the OLP twice, Ladies once, Matthew Good three times. I guess I've seen the Guess Who once, kind of, in, in their current sure. state. And I've never seen this next band, who I guess I'll never see ever, because the drummer died. Uh, number five for me is Rush. Hmm who were like I'm, yeah. I'm I'm a guy that's in a band kind of I guess you could say it sort of breaks my heart that you never got to see Rush live to be honest with you yeah. like I, I, I I'll say this actually Close. it's funny this has come up this week because I I've listened to more Rush uh, without my without my dad immediately beside me basically more than I ever have in my life in the last week or so I've been just listening to tons of Rush and uh, they're not on my list, but it breaks my heart that you're not able to see them live. Like, I'm not as big of a fan of them and, as you are. And but it's funny you say that because, I like, them like a lot, but... my dad is only a fan because of me. Yeah. Like, it, it's this weird, like, cross-generational band where, like, I fell in love with these guys in high school. Mm-hmm. And when I was first learning how to play music, that was my inspiration that was the band that was like holy shit these guys are fucking real and each one of them by themselves could be uh you know a superstar kind of thing a god in in some respects uh for their instrument and i've 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 lessened on them since i've i've grown but they hold a special place for sure and um obviously they in, in terms of what they've done for Canadian music, they're 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 far ahead of anybody else, 
and uh, their their writing is is, is fantastic. I ha- I had to put them on this list. I didn't know where. This feels low, but at the same time, somehow high. Mm. I, I I don't know. I'm, they're they're a yeah. time and a place sort of band. Yeah. And the other day I was showering. I think I was going golfing afterwards, and I threw distant early warning on my playlist when I was going into the shower and I was midway through my shower and it just came on and it just hit the right way and I was like oh my god this fucking song you know Mm -hmm. Um, Rush is very cool though there's a time and a place for them I think and that's always been my thing with them but uh they're, they're a band that has so many... They have so some many, bangers that you forget about, you know? Yeah, they had so many different, like, eras, which is weird for a band, right? That's it's another like, problem with them, too, them, though, is that there's so much content. Yeah. They had that weird, like, we're trying to be Led Zeppelin when they first debuted with the high voice singer and and the drummer that had to, had to quit. And then they were like, oh, you know what, like... We're never going to be Led Zeppelin. Let's be this like the the weird space Odyssey guys that write ten minute songs because we're talented and we can do it. And they nailed they nailed that era. And then and and then like for whatever reason they got to the nineties and they were like, yeah, we're rich. Like we don't care if we make money or not. Here's what we want to do. If you don't like it, that's fine. Like it's it's what we want to record and and this is what the band is now and and. I feel like a lot of Rush fans don't appreciate those, like, late 80s, 90s albums. Only for them to come back in the, like, 2000s with, like, yeah, we're still fucking Rush and we can kick ass and here's Snakes and Arrows and uh, Clockwork Angels and, yeah, fuck you. Like, we're six years old and we we still have it. So, I, I don't know. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah, they rock. Yeah. Uh, that was your five. You said that was my right? five. Uh, my number five is a couple who, couple flags on the field here oh, on this oh, one. Wow. Uh, potentially not oh. a Canadian band, and also potentially oh. uh, two bands in one. Uh, but my answer for five would be uh, Big Rec slash Thornley. Oh, okay. Um, I, I see your flag issue yeah. now. Now here's here's my thing. Uh, two, two points. First off, very quick yeah. to me. First, Big Rec. Uh, formed in America, but most of the members are Canadian. Boston, Massachusetts. Boston, Massachusetts, yeah. of okay. course. Uh, so that's why I like them. Sure. And then the <laughs> the, okay, the second the second thing um, with Thornley is that uh, a lot of the members involved in the production of Thornley's solo band were members of Big Wreck. Right. So to me, it's it's sort of uh, Thornley is a reimagination of Big Wreck to me. Like it's just uh, Thornley. Um, like, Thornley's sorry. almost a dream of Big Wreck music in mm. a way. Like it's almost you know what I mean. Like yeah. it's 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 Big Wreck adjacent. And when you listen to it, like there's banjos and shit. Like is Brian Doherty still there? Right. Yeah. Like it's it's very similar, but. Um, it's very different, too, in, in many different ways, but uh, this is my long-winded way of saying that uh, I guess my number five would be anything that Ian Thornley is involved with as a band. Yeah. Um, look, like, the idea of Big Wreck getting back together, I was like, wow, this is this is cool, but, like, we had Thornley, like, let's see what happens. And I would 
I would make an argument that I think Big Wreck is better now than they were before they broke up. And, um... Aren't they not the same guys, though, now? Because the, they got back together, the one guy passed away from cancer, and he was the outlier, so, so now, so... But what I mean is, like, Big Wreck of the 2010s is better than Big Wreck of the 90s. Brian Doherty passed away two years ago. Mm. So Brian Doherty's been there until the most... Actually, he's been there for every album, I, I think. I think he was on their last album, but he passed away afterwards. And uh, But regardless, like, um, I, I, I would just say that I really, really think that like Albatross, Ghosts, Grey Street, Brian Doherty's part of all three, uh, I think are their three best albums right there. And um, It's so hard to say. They seem right? to learn a lot as time went on. I don't know, it's just... Like, what, what's the momentum of that band if they don't break up? When they did, well, for sure, right? no, and exactly. Like, do they and have do they have Albatross in two thousand two instead of two thousand and ten? I don't, I don't think so. Like, I, I think the bre- the breakup served him right. That's the point I'm making, right? right? It's just like I do think that, um, that th- their project with Thornley as a band, um, allowed like 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 I think Brian Doherty became a better guitar player through Thornley. He better be. He became like his banjo material became a little bit better through a whole album than it was beforehand. Um, regardless, I'll say this: um, maybe not the best concert that I've ever been to necessarily, but the best sounding band I've ever seen live is Big Wreck. Uh, through seventy, eighty different artists that I've ever heard on a CD and then seen them live. Uh, Big Wreck and Ian Thornley are at the top of that list. Top three at worst. So, yeah, uh, yeah top five for me. Just I, I could go on and on about Ian Thornley. I love him. I, I think I've seen Big Wreck three times now. So they're ahead of Rush. Twice? OLP. For sure for me. I think I've seen him three times. Yeah, but. They would be tied with Matthew Good on my list uh, thus far. Uh, number four for me is the. Tea Party. From Windsor, Ontario. Yeah, Jeff that's Martin, fair. Jeff Burroughs, Stuart Chatwood. Uh, three guys that were pretty, I don't know, like, explorative with their writing. Got in a room, decided that, you know, we're going to make some very different stuff from what was going on in the 90s. Um when, when you said OLP was the biggest, like, Canadian act from the 90s, even more so than the hip, mm, like, yeah, the Tea Party stick out in, in a weird way in, in Canada only. Maybe Australia, because for whatever reason, they're big over there, but, like, <laughs> the, the Tea Party... Yeah, you could make a whole separate documentary yeah. about the Tea Party in Australia yeah. as you could from fucking Rodriguez in South Africa. Uh, yeah, I, I I feel as though the like the Tea Party are the most talented musicianship wise, like individually speaking, outside of Rush than any other band to come from Canada. They, they, these these guys play twelve different instruments, and there's three of them. Yeah, it's fucking insane. Um, aside from their breakup, which lasted like six seven years or something in the mid two thousands. Uh, they've they've kept the same you know group going forward. They haven't been the same since they came back. 
I don't know how much of that has to do with the breakup itself or if it's age or whatever it is, but in their prime, I I find it hard to beat the Tea Party. If you ask, like, 12-year-old me, I feel like my answer would have been different, right? Like, I, I feel like I really, really liked them when I was younger, but, um, yeah, they, they never really, I don't know, I just, they don't have enough depth for me, um, in terms of the catalog, but the songs themselves are interesting, I guess is what I would get at, you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're kind of like a rush for me, like, they're just, they're interesting, but they're not an everyday band for me. And, and that's where it comes to with me. But fuck, they fucking rock. And that's another band, too, where, like Rush, I never saw live. And I would really, yeah. you know. I have had the privilege of seeing them live on their reunion tour, and it was electric. Like, the <laughs> the there's only one band on my list that I haven't seen live. Uh, and it's Protest the Hero. You've you seen know. Bill of Talent? There's two bands on my list I haven't seen that. Yeah, fuck. I always think I saw them because yeah. they came here like twice and I haven't seen them either. I, I also have two bands I haven't seen. Rush and Billy's Young. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. Okay. That was your four? Four. Was Tea Party. Yeah. Uh, my number four is Alexis on Fire. I was going to say, if you had protest, you had to have Alexis somewhere. Yeah, this is yeah. an easy one again for me. Um... I, I thought about this list a lot, and like I said, 7 to 3 moved a lot for me. Hmm. Where Alexa Fire got an edge over some of these other bands, and where I'll say they'll get an, ed- an edge over um, maybe every other band that I've liked in my lifetime, Alexis on Fire is maybe one of the best, like, five-man unit bands that I can think of. Where that... I think that every member of this band complements the final product perfectly, in in my sense. Um, I would say that, you know, there are songs where I think George Pettit maybe does a little more screaming than I would like. But there are songs where I think he lifts the intensity more than, you know what I mean, if it were just... Dallas Green and Wade McNeil so I like like I think it's a super complimentary band where I think all five of them do equal heavy lifting I think I think it's a super talented band the only issue with Alexis on Fire for me is just that um they they came and went so quick in many ways right like um they came uh 2004 they released Watch Out and all of a sudden they are, you know, even on the back end of Billy Talent's first album, it's just like, wow, this is the next big Canadian band sort of thing. And it's like, cool, yeah, it's going to be great. And then they do Crisis, and it's like, yeah, this is fucking exactly what we were all waiting for. And I'm like, all right. And in 2009, Young Cardinals comes out, and it's like, yeah, this is fucking awesome. And then uh, we basically haven't heard from them since then, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's sort of a problem, so... Um, the longevity factor, I think for me is, is one thing. They're not a band where obviously I'd put them on at a party. I'm not really sure how well received, uh, the screamo music would get, but, um, they were very close to being my third band on the list. Uh, I think they are fantastic. Yeah. Well, 
And, you know, like, I, I hate to get people's hopes up because I'm a very pessimistic kind of guy. <laughs> no. But in an interview in June 2021, uh, Dallas Green stated that the band was trying to get together for the first time, uh, implying that there was more new music on the way. Like, I, I would say, too, like, the first new song they put out in a long time was Familiar Drugs there. Yeah. And it was awesome. That song fucking kicks ass. Like, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know. I, I'm interested to see where they go. And the big thing for me with them is I'm interested to see when they get together how they use George Pettit. And I feel like that's probably a little bit of a point of contention. Because I feel like they try to go very melodic with everything. And it's always hard to figure out how to combine the two. Right. And that's part of the problem with metal music is a lot of bands don't do that well and they do it well. Mm-hmm. So they need to figure out how to continue to do it well and that's it's it's not easy for sure. They performed five times in twenty twenty. It's it's been a year, boys. Let's go here. Come on. We go we got the shots. Yeah, let's get some familiar drugs. Shots in the arms, let's go. Yeah. I feel like uh we're gonna overlap a little bit the last three here. I, I have a feeling not expecting much of a difference here. Uh, hometown pick here, my third, uh, number three, The Trues. They got a guy from Thunder Bay. Yeah, maybe we're not going to overlap yeah. that much. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cool. They got a guy from Thunder Bay. But that, but, old. yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been to a party where they didn't play The Trues and you had a good time? No. No, the fuck you haven't. Um, this band, uh, came... I'm having a party tomorrow night and I got The Trues on the playlist, so the, I'll tell you the, that. This band free. came from the East Coast. Where they know how to drink. They got some East Coast drinking songs. They got famous. They moved to Ontario. They were like, you know what? That's cool and all. Here's some more serious stuff. Fucking loved it. Let's go. The McDonald Brothers, Jeff, Jack. Fantastic. Big fan of their work. I gotta clarify something here. Your list does include the Tragically Hip, right? Yes, I I think so. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm just throwing off. Uh, my number three is the uh, is Arkells. Okay, um, that's my number two. Yeah, no, I uh, yeah. That adds up. They're yeah, like they're they're interesting. Mm. It's just uh, they keep me on the edge. I never exactly know where the next song is going to go, and it's like you listen to it, and it's like sometimes it doesn't quite live up to the expectations, but. What I would say with them is that I really like about them is they're constantly taking you on a journey. Their sound continues to evolve. And every song sort of builds off the last one, I think. Like, they're taking instruments away gradually and putting more in. And I I, I think that's cool. Mm. Um, They may be the best band I've ever seen at marketing themselves. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. I can really think of. Like, I'm even trying to think of, like, a big American band. Uh, because you have a huge platform, and I just... I can't remember the last time a band did such a good job marketing themselves as as uh, as Arkells. So, uh, I like them. We've we've met them. Uh, we literally did an episode about them, so it's no secret that we like Arkells. So, they're my number three. Uh, them and the Trues and my number one band are all tied for the band I've seen the most times. So, okay. yeah, I spend money where I like it. Did you have anything you wanted to say about the artistic integrity of the Arkells? 
feel like you had a lot to say on that bracket episode that maybe you didn't get an opportunity to do so so no go listen to the bracket episode i said everything i wanted to say there no i i don't know like i i think that these guys are the flag bearers of the next wave of canadian music they're probably a a lot of good canadian bands that's that's just it right like i I think that they're maybe a bit veteran for the current wave damn there's so many good ones they found a good way of bridging the gap between the tragically hip which was a divisive band in canada like I, i think a lot of canadians can agree that they did a lot of good things but at the same time there's an equal amount of Canadians that just can't get past the voice of Gord Downey which I think is asinine but I, I feel that the Arkells found that way to gap that you know bridge between musically talented but also like commercially acceptable and popular and marketability and, and you know, they hit they checked all the boxes um whether or not they ever live up to that pedigree, mm. I, I guess, will be determined. But it'll they, be interesting. You you take every other band that I've mentioned to this point, the Arkells match them in some facet. Yeah, that's where they come out ahead. They, they, yeah. You want a fun, goofy song like the Bare Ladies? They've got one. Right, they want you want something acoustic and slow and sweet like Matthew Good. They've got one. Oh, you want some music, music, musicianship complexity, like Rush. Yeah, they've got a couple of those as mm-hmm. well. Like maybe not compared, like maybe something you know, you're not comparing them to, but it's there. Like you can point to it and say that's where they were their best. And yeah, yeah. I think the only thing you can take away from the Arkells that. It's just, it's never going to get better as time goes on, so they're going to have to let the music do the talking, is just that they're so mainstream in just the sense where a lot of their songs are, are and they're good, like it's not like they're they're written for this purpose like a lot of pop songs are, but a lot of them are so poppy where it's just like, I think a lot of people listen to them and, and hear a lot of radio comparisons i guess in a way and they're not completely like that like they're all their songs are are unique but i think that's the only complaint i've ever heard really against them is just a lot of people find them way too radio friendly and if you listen to their entire catalog i'm not sure that i would completely agree although i get it but, I was gonna say, go listen to the first two albums. The yeah, Guts, like, and you'll you'll like, find like your... I get it, but you you would like to hear that six minute, you know, more of a musical cut sort of song, sort of thing. Like, you know what I mean? I want to hear the musicians do the work, sort of thing, and yeah. they'll get there. Yeah, like, fuck, fuck that. They're gonna do I, it I, though. I, like, I, as a they're gonna do that kind list, of shit. I guarantee fuck, you. Fuck that music. I'd be shocked if they went through their entire careers and we don't get an, an album where it's just like a little more musically inclined like i'd be surprised with them i think it's gonna be but most of their albums are still pretty musically inclined anyway so it's fine i wouldn't be too worried about it yeah Yeah. so that's your two yeah my two is the glorious sons Mm. uh yeah our top three four favorite band of all time for me for sure so there's not much to say there um 
We had the argument, would you put them in their, in their musical, I don't remember what we were talking about. If it was a top 10 or a, an overrated, underrated, or if it was the musical bracket we did. But we had a conversation about would you put them in the greatest Canadian bands of all time. And I certainly wouldn't quite yet. I'm still waiting to see what they're going to do. I think the next album is going to be a big teller of what's going to happen there. Um, they released two new songs recently. And what I would say is that I had big expectations for them because their last album, I think, was hands down the best thing they've ever done. Um, They released two songs. I really liked one of them at first and I did not like the other one. And since then, I've really come around on the second song. Um, I'm optimistic of where it's going to go. They've been releasing previews of what's happening in Nashville when they were recording and... A lot of it sounds pretty unique if it's going on the album. Maybe it isn't. Um, I really like them. Just just lyrically, I really like the way Brett says things. Um, I, I can't say a bad thing about them. And, and, and just, I think they're more my type of music than... The Arkells, that was kind of the comparison there. Arkells never really made it into the top two conversation. So, yeah, uh, Glorious Sons are one of my favorite bands of all time, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. I think I said it once before on the podcast some somewhere along the lines. Like, the Arkells are the Canadian Beatles, the Glorious Sons are the Canadian Rolling Stones. Yeah. And I'm a guy that likes both. I can appreciate both the Beatles and the Stones and for different reasons, but there are definitely people like my father, for example, that draw a hard line in the sand and they're like, I hate the Beatles, I love the Stones. And and it's always odd to hear that. Should Dad feel way, he likes way the about Stones those bands? more so than the Beatles, for does, sure. Does he have an opinion about the Arkells of his Glory Sons at all? That's an interesting question. He's he's seen both bands. I was going to say, I know he's familiar with both. Yeah, I, I, I think he's... I, I'm guessing Hard at this point. Yeah. I, I think he's more of an Arkells guy. Mm-hmm. But whether or not he has full access to the catalogs sure. is a different question. Yeah. But, I like, again, I'm a guy that likes the Stones. I like the Beatles for different reasons. Um, obviously, I've got the Arkells on my list. I left one of those bands off the list. Yeah, I am shocked. Um, shocked. Yeah. Like, figured ten, like at least top ten, I, I figured. Mm. Shocked. But, I, 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 I think... assume an honorable mention for you. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, we're going to do those, but good I, lord. I, I don't know where else to go with this band. Like, that's, that's just it. Like, they're going to appeal to a certain crowd, and that's fine. And I'm, 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 I'm curious as to what is in the future, I guess, more yeah. so than... Than, than what they've done thus far, but I like. I know exactly what you're saying, and and that was always my concern with them, especially that first album. It was it was when the it was when Young Beauties and Fools came out. I'm like, oh, okay, they these guys aren't fucking around. Mm-hmm. It was where I was at, right? So I am curious to see where they go because I do think they've evolved through each of the three. But it's very easy to slip into the into your old tricks, right? And that's the problem. Where the Arkells are very much, they're all over the place. Like, it's a Motown song. It's this and that. And it's like, that's interesting, right? Yeah. And that's going to keep you 
that's going to give you longevity is if you're a good musical band whereas glory signs if it's going to be a lot of the same thing like i don't you know who knows there's and i won't i won't name names or you know positions or whatever but i feel as though with the glorious sons there's two guys doing a lot of the heavy lifting in that band and whether or not their voices can be heard above the other three guys is a big factor in, in, in where they go musically hmm. where the Arkells I, I find that they're more of a cohesive yeah. unit where you would think so anyway guy A has an idea guy B has an idea and that's just how it seemed to me thus far I, I could be totally wrong I'm, I'm speculating but yeah. I get where you're coming from I don't yeah. I, I don't see it that way but that, yeah. that's that, that, that's understandable uh, do we want to do honorable mentions before number one or number one and it then would, honorable it mentions it would seem more climactic if we just get the honorable mentions out of the way I think sure yeah uh, I have three how many do you have I have two okay uh, my uh, well what are yours well Glorious Songs yeah I, I think there's a spot for them on my list at some point it it just isn't quite there yet that's fine they, they were number 11 that's the whole point of honorable mentions yeah. is you also they, like these they were literally number 11 on my list uh, I had asked you if we were including the the certain band that we haven't talked about yet mm-hmm. or not and if they if we weren't they would have been number 10 so okay yeah your other one my other one was the first band I ever saw at a concert um which is lover boy I get it it's a little weird for a guy uh that was born after the height of their powers but it's just a special connection i guess i have with that band where i've also they, gone they rock like, i've also gone as, I, I it's it's one of those things where like they were my first band but, but i've also seen them since then and there's an appreciation i, I guess at the at the very bottom root core of of this honorable mention is just like personal mm-hmm. yeah cool um <clears throat> i guess if i had to put them in order my 13th would have been the trues the trues rock i i really like them they just they kick ass and mm-hmm. um i don't know there's nothing bad to say about them they just don't have as deep of a catalog for me that i really fucking get behind sort mm-hmm. of thing uh, uh i guess my number 12 is default wow uh, they were 10 at one point. Uh, just as the week went on, I just couldn't leave them 10. God damn, do I love Default, though. Holy shit, man. That, that, that is a band. Love Dallas Smith's voice. Uh, their hits are just bangers. And mm. I would think they would be higher. The only time when we saw them, like they, they sounded immaculate live. But the problem was that they didn't do, they didn't change anything up. They didn't, you know, try to get you going. Like, it was very much just like, we're just going to play the hits. And we don't want to be fuck here. Out of here. You don't want to be it here. It was like we a greatest hits here, CD. And it was good. Like, I had a great time. But it was just like, eh, like, you know, I would have liked a little more experimental. Sure. A cover. Something. Just, you know, to spice it up. Didn't really get to that point. But, um, didn't ruin my love for the band. I, I, phew, holy shit. Do I ever love them. Um, my number 11 can just hear when i see the band on paper i can hear in the background look at this photograph uh, the intro oh. to since when 
I fucking love 5440. I think 5440 fucking kicks ass. Uh, Yeah. As time's gone on, they were just a band where it was like, ah, it's just this random Canadian band that all of our parents like. And as time's gone on, I've listened to more and more of their music, and I just think they're incredibly underrated. I I, I think they're very, very talented. Of course, in Canada. They're they're huge in the Koreas. Uh, But they're definitely big in Canada, and for good reason. So. 5440 is my honorable mention, number 11. One, one of the, uh, I'll say this much, one of the all-time greatest Canadian band names. Yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool name. Great name. Hey, let's take that saying from that American president that wanted to take over our country that failed to do so and just use it as a band name. I thought it was really kick-ass for sure. But. Oh, man. And, like, the the thing for me was them was, like, I was putting them kind of further in my honorable mentions, and then I started listening to them the other day, and it was just, like, they have, like, 15 massive songs in Canada, and that's just, like, their well-known songs that get played on the radio all the time. Not to mention, you know what I mean, the stuff that people aren't that familiar with. But, yeah, no, they, if if you're not familiar, uh, give them... A look and definitely go see them if you have the opportunity. There you go. Uh, or number one. Number one. Well, number of course, one. mine, uh, uh, Blue Rodeo. Um, oh, wow. I was going Gob, actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I left Gob off the list. I do like Gob. Yeah. I do like Blue Rodeo, actually. I'm not chirping them either, but. Mm. Um, go to and Sound Clash. Um, yeah, they're good. Mm. Top 50, maybe. For sure, maybe. So, so they got back together and they played at the Junos. Did you watch it? Actually, weird story. I watched almost the entire Junos except for that. I watched only that. <laughs> so between you and I, we saw the Junos. So I, 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 like, I don't know if it was on later or it was just on later on the TV in my living room. But, like, I watched... Maybe an hour and a half because it was so hot in my room. And then as soon as it was cold enough to go into my room to sleep, I went to bed. Mm. Um, so I saw, uh, you know, Serena Ryder with uh, William Prince for sure. I saw that shit. But, uh, I don't know I, who those people are. I didn't see the hip. Um, so what were you going to say? Uh, Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson introduced them with their award. Talked about all of their work that they did for the community and uh, their various charities. Uh, they had Patrick Downey out to accept uh, the you award, hear this uh, along with the uh, living members of the Hip, uh, to talk about his brother's work. They had Gordon Lightfoot introduce them right before they played. Uh, at- I'm sorry. So the members of Rush, yeah, introduced the family of Gord Downey. No, they introduced the band, who brought along with them the brother of Gord Downey. Patrick. And Gordon Lightfoot? No. That was for the award. Okay. You with okay. me? No, I'm not. Okay. Right, so, so the the hip <laughs> The hip won an award at the Junos. Right. Okay. So So Lifeson and Getty Lee Yeah. were like, hey, this is all about the hip and how they do stuff for the community and the guys from Rush. Their charity. Yeah. Yeah. And they talked about all of the nice things that they do to win this award. 
and then the hip had Patrick Downey right respond to said introduction about how like we're, oh, we're related yes. guys. I'm sorry. I yeah. maybe just should have listened to you the first time. Sure. And then like <laughs> 20 minutes later, Gordon Lightfoot, who's played more shows at Massey Hall than anybody else, he ever, rocks. Was like you like Gordon Lightfoot uh, in a way. He kicks um, ass. <laughs> He was he was holding on to no way. he was holding on to the fragrance of life and said in a way <laughs> Here's the tragically hip. Why did I even ask, first off? Yeah. But like the fact that his answer was in a way. Uh, wow. And and then they played. So it was two different introductions for two, two different things, but they were all types of fun. No, I didn't watch it. <laughs> now, if Ry Cooter had happened to be there, that would have been just yeah, perfect. Well, of but... course, yeah. I'm sure there's yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> I watched it. In any case, I, I shed a tear. Okay, anyway. It was very so, emotional. Yeah, was it, was it lovely? It was... Do you know what song they played? No. They, they played It's a Good Life If You Don't Weaken with Feist on vocals. Yeah, okay. I think part of the problem is I, is I don't like Feist. And sure. so that's why I just was like, eh. How do you not like Feist, though? Like, it's one thing to be like, I don't know who Feist is, but, like, how do you actively root against her? I just, well, I'm not root against her. It's, sorry, I shouldn't say it. I just, I have it's no... simple. We kill the Batman. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I've always wanted them to take out Feist. That's been my plan. <laughs> Someone's got to take her out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Fucking look at this, eh? Uh, like huh, the Joker. This bitch again? Yeah, no, like, she's she's fine. Okay. Um, That's good to clarify. But I don't... They played put, those put it, first put it, three chords. Put it this way. Like, it's a good life, and I broke down. I sure. genuinely would have been more excited to see it if it was, like, uh, Serena Ryder. And I don't even necessarily like her, but I would have been like, oh, okay. You know, we're like fucking, like even that night they were honoring Jan Arden. Like if they connected the two, I'd be like, yeah, Jan Arden's Jan, cool. Jan I don't know if one. she could, she could sing actually. Jan, Jan She'd be good for that song actually. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, like, I think Serena's the wrong choice. Like, No, but I'm just saying like Canadian names, it was like, I've never had anything... I've never even had a thought about Feist. Like, like I just if, don't like the one song she had. If you had Dallas so Green like, come out and play the one song that they did together, like that's cool. Fucking, that would have been unbelievable. It's a short list, though. Jesus Christ! Right? Like, and I, I think Feist did a good job because they picked the right song for her. I'll say. Probably. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not saying yeah. that. I'm not. I'm not saying it wasn't a good time. I'm just yeah. saying like that was. Like, even if it was, like, uh, oh, man. Like, even just, like, if they were, like, oh, man, we're going to do Tragically Hip and there's going to be a song, the lead singer's going to be Alessia Cara or some shit. Holy fuck, I'd get into that, but just, I don't know. Yeah. Feist, I don't know. It was the right song. I'll say that much. Like, if, 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 the, if the four no, guys, if the four guys were, like, we're she's playing, not a horrible fit, I get it. We're playing this song, Hell or High Water, find us a singer for this song. Born in the water. I think they did well, but if if it was more of a situation where they said we're going to play with this artist and we'll together come up with a song, mm-hmm. I, I I see your point. Like there there could have been a better fit, depending on the song. Well, well for sure. But yeah. Whatever. If that's you yeah, know. I don't know. 
Not not a horrible choice. It's it's what we're saying is, is that the hip is our favorite Canadian band, I think. Number one, baby. Yeah. Yep. You got it. I've 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 seen them as many times as the Trues and the Arkells, and it pains me to know that one day one of those bands will surpass the tragically hip because the bad thing happened. So hmm. that that actually bothers me. Like I'm I actively did not go to a true show because I was like, hey, I'm not ready for that band to be the band I've seen the most. And I realized that's ridiculous and um, like kind yeah. of weird to not go to a show for that reason, but I did it. I I get it. I, I understand that. It's ridiculous. No, but, it's, it's stupid. No, it, it's it's, it's not. Like, I mean, like, I guess you and I haven't actually talked about this yet. Like, part of the issue that I was not, and probably will not, uh, jump at the idea of going to Wake the Giant to see Third Eye Blind is that I have no interest in seeing Third Eye Blind with the people that live in this city. I would like to see them on my own in a different place and experience that on my own. And I don't really know that I want to see that here mm. in Thunder Bay and listen to how, like, holy shit, they sucked. And it's like, yeah, that's that's cool. Like, everyone sucks always when they play here. Everyone fucking hates every band that plays here always. They always sound bad, according to the people who live here. Like, I just don't. Well, the hip sounded like gods yeah, when they played here. But also, they didn't. Like, you talk to people, and it's like, yeah, I know, I saw them at the gardens, they fucking blew. And it's like, sure, they did not at all. I don't know what show you were at, but cool. Thank even, you. Even the worst hip show is better than anything you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. You, just, you, gotta, live in, you gotta live in the city. But. Yeah. Tragically hip, number one. <laughs> really cool band. Number one, baby. Hey. Fucking number one. Always. Alright. How do you beat them? How, when will you beat them? How can you beat them? I don't think it can be them. Mm, Look, if you don't... be hard. If, 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 unless you die from cancer, I don't think you're beating this band in terms of... Ooh, legend, boy. Legend. <laughs> like, even Rush. I was... Again. Oh, wow, that's gonna get interesting. Again, to go back to that, like, performance, like, the the introduction they did for the, the Junos, they were missing... <laughs> They were missing probably the greatest Canadian artist of all time. And they were still like, yeah, the hip is Canada's band. Like, they are the best Canadian band. And it's like, no, you guys are way more talented. But, like, you just didn't sing about Canada. You sung about space aliens and, and demon gods. And That's my <laughs> only problem with Rush. It's my only problem. It's just like you listen to it and it's like, fuck, this song kicks ass. And the lyrics fucking come in and it's like... I can't relate to this shit. They're talking about fucking Mars and stuff. I can't do this. And the oaks were angry with the elms. What is the song? It's called The Trees. Oh, okay. Like, and the maples didn't agree with the birches. The Rush song that I can take the most relation with is Time Stand Still. And it's a, ta- it's a song about time travel. Like... You know, like yeah. it's just what the fuck am I supposed to do with that band lyrically? Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. Well, we do live in subdivisions, so you got that. Subdivisions. The only my favorite Neil Peart lyrical. I was gonna say the only <laughs> vocal performance by Neil Peart, but like 
of any song they could have put them on, though, they put them on, like, one of their ten best songs ever. Like, it's just, like, subdivisions. <laughs> like, this song kicks ass. Like, we Neil need, Peart's in this song. We, we need something in the middle of this chorus. What should Does we anyone do? have a deep voice? And it's like, the two of them are like, no. I'm like, well, I guess <laughs> Neil can do that, I guess, you're, theoretically. You're, you're deeper than us, I suppose. Jesus fucking Christ. Well, I'm Bruce Pataglia I, of Canada yeah. and of Canadian music, and well, I haven't contributed anything to that. But I'm uh, I'm James Cole. I, I saw most of these bands at some point mm. at, at a concert. Mm. Um, Even my honorable mentions, like I saw I all have, three uh, of them. It's just been Protest a Hero, and uh, what's the other one I got to get at? I've played on the same stage as three of these Those bands. Time. I suppose that's that's worth mentioning. That's pretty cool. I have not played on the same stage as any of them. I haven't. I not not at much. the same time that they were performing, which I guess I, I should a, I should add. That's a big one. Um, and I'll um, hmm. I'll never be as cool as as any of them, hmm. but I like them, so that's that's cool. Hmm. Well. Maybe one day you'll get there, you know. Yeah. Maybe one day you'll be a uh, new world man. Yeah, find me not on stage with these guys. Uh, yeah, that's it for me. Okay. Goodbye. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're gonna make friends in no time. Get me out of here! Here, just eat that. Leave us alone. Oh!